We're broadcasting. Hey, everybody. I forgot to say, um, let's get going, buckle up, bitches, or anything like that. Um, the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast is brought to you by The Fleshlight. If you go to JoeRogan.net, click on the link for The Fleshlight, enter in the code name Rogan, you get 15% off the number one sex toy for men. Miles Giovanni's in the house, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, baby. Fuck yeah, bitches. <laughs> the Joe Rogan Experience. The official music. Because it wouldn't be a podcast. Wouldn't feel like a real show. See now, boom, we're in action. See that, Maz Jabrani? Oh, yeah. it, feels, it feels a lot more legit right now. It does. My yeah. good pal, Maz Jabrani, is with us, and we have to talk shit before we get started about the fucking Tascam DR100. This is our third one, you dirty bitches. How about, okay, Tascam MP3 recorder people, get your fucking shit together. How about the- Ascam? That's how bad they are. Yes. Look, there you go. There you go. Not Tascam. Ascam, says Maz Jabrani. It gets all these great reviews, and honestly, it makes some great sound. It sounds awesome. It's, a, it's an excellent piece of kit, as it were, but unfortunately, it fucking breaks all the time. This is our third one. And no, I don't send it in for warranty, because I ain't got that kind of time. Mm-mm. And I'm a fancy man, Maz Jabrani, right. so I just order another one with that one-click shit on Amazon.com. You're but like, this is the third one. You're like Lex Luthor and Superman. They never wore the same pair of socks two yeah. days in a row. I'm like a black rapper who throws away his white sneakers. Yeah, motherfucker. We used to go on the road with Charlie Murphy, and Charlie Murphy used to throw away new sneakers. He would get like a little scuff. He's like, that's it. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's over for those sneakers. You're a comedian. (laughs) You're not playing basketball. Charlie Murphy, um, he wears like those ridiculous rapper chains. You know, they're covered in in diamonds and bling bling. And he doesn't wear them all when he goes on stage. He takes them off and he puts them on his cousin Rich's head. Rich is like his tour manager and Rich will hold on to the chains. Is that in case he gets shot or something? No, he just doesn't want to bling too hard when he's on stage. You know, doesn't want to distract from the message. It's really hard for a comedian to to be too blingy. Like only black comedians could be blingy. There's no like, you know what I'm saying? Cat Williams can pull it off. Yeah. He's got that whole pimp persona thing going on. Yeah. But yeah, white guy with a lot of diamonds. Like what the fuck are you doing? I saw Prince. Prince in concert recently. I saw Prince in concert. It was amazing. The guy's amazing. Oh, he's amazing. And I was like, a comedian could never dress like Prince and yeah. do. You get a ter- certain, you get a certain license to be weird with music. Yeah, exactly. Like he came out at, at one point with like uh, like fur like fur leg warmer thingies. Can you imagine as a comedian coming next to the stage, Joe Rogan show up in fur. Leg warmers. That'd be great. He just pushes it, man. Yeah. And chicks fucking love him. Oh my god, he's it's ridiculous. crazy. They, oh, yeah. There's there's something about him that to them is very it's 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 weird. He's like five foot three. He's like eighteen pounds, and he, he just, wears women's clothes, but he's sexy. They they want to fuck him. The, he he owns it. That's what yeah. it is. I was yeah. talking, I was there with my wife. I was like, there's nothing else this guy could do. Like he's made to do this. Like he could never be. Like, he went like it reminds me of like a UPS guy. You know what I'm saying? Like if he shows up, <laughs> you know. What it's just you can't. Yeah. He owns it. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. He's a brilliant artist. You know? He is amazing. He's just a weird guy. And that, I think, you know, all brilliant, the really brilliant artists are all, I, I'm finding, are all almost completely fucking crazy. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All from, the good ones. Well, from back, I mean, even like all the like composers, Beethoven, yeah. all those guys were all nuts. Yeah, they're fucking minds. Yeah. You have to be. Think about, there was fucking nothing but axes hitting trees back then. That was the sound they heard. Whomp. Oh, yeah. 
whomp, and one guy figures out, you know, not really, but, you know, people back then you yeah. know, that, that did figure out how to orchestrate music and how to create music and compose incredible works of music that are still listened to hundreds of years later. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's pretty nuts, man. And we don't even know what his shit really sounded like. That's the crazy thing. But also the crazy, I was listening to the radio one time, they were talking about, because some of these guys, like autistic, like autistic people, some of them are like geniuses in one way and, and you know, and autistic or, you know, they have problems in another way this one kid they were saying um autistic couldn't communicate that he's at home with his mom and dad they, they watch a uh some some movie that had like a beethoven concerto in it to just watch it you know once the kid's like 12 years old the mother goes to sleep middle of the night wakes up thinks that the tv's playing it again the kids at the piano playing that song from wow. watching it once he just learned the song so so these guys are geniuses in one way and crazy in another way. Yeah, we've you know? talked about autistics and autistic savants on the podcast a bunch of times before because there's so many really amazing examples of that kind of power. I bet a lot of famous like musicians and composers and geniuses in the past were probably autistic savants. They just didn't know how to diagnose it. They just considered them geniuses. Yeah, or maybe you there's know? like I mean, there's even certain like as you were talking about, you know, Prince. Like there's certain levels of it. Like, you know, like you got the you get the rock star who's brilliant and amazing but like he can't like you know remember his address you know what i'm right, saying right, or he needs right. someone like to baby- Osborne. yeah he needs someone yeah. to babysit him you know yeah. i think that's i think a lot of that stuff is that like these guys sure. are you know yeah you wouldn't what isn't it amazing that music for like hundreds and hundreds of years was just written down like you couldn't record it so like like composers like when they created a piece of work it's actually like writing yeah, and that's how like this is my work. This is what I've done. I've I've combined all these notes in a certain way. But you don't even get to listen to them do it. Right. You know. Right. They never got a chance to record anything. We'll 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 never hear Beethoven actually directing any music. You know. Until time travel. Yeah. Until time travel. Yeah. But isn't that amazing though? That for hundreds of years it was just written down. Yeah. You know. Fuck. It could pro- I wonder if it would sound any different too. Like I, I, I bet it, like it'd be listening to the Beatles when they t- released the mono version, which was supposedly the superior version was the mono uh, versions of all the Beatles songs because they were recorded in mono, mm-hmm. and then later they remastered them in stereo because stereo was so popular, and that's what you grew up on was listening to stereo music uh, versions of what was not supposed to be stereo. So people actually like listening to the mono versions now. But I wonder how much of that is Beatles. like people just being like, "Oh, you should have heard that." Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? People do that all the time. Oh, you yeah. should, oh man, the classic, da da da. When in reality, I mean, it's like, you know, HD versus. Well, it, it's kind of mixed different too, though. Like right. things that come out in stereo that weren't really necessarily supposed to be out more, you know? So I, I actually have both versions, and uh, it definitely I could see what people are saying. It's more hardcore hitting, and everything seems mixed properly compared to like what now, like some guy in some, you know, THX labs, like, no, I think this little jingle over here should be louder, you know? I think I'm going to have to get into fucking vinyl. I think I'm gonna have to buy a record player and some headphones and listen to what the fuck everybody's saying. Yeah. Because when you talk to like real audiophiles, they'll tell you that like a vinyl LP is the way to go, and that you lose something in the sound when you go to CD. You lose like a quality, a layer. Can you, you know? even buy a, a record player uh, anymore? Where do you oh, buy that? Huge yeah, now. They yeah. actually sell records at Best Buy now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. That, that, the, the music industry is trying to find a new thing, and which one of the things is going retro, going back to vinyl because yeah. it sounds better or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that's all up to. The debate in my opinion how funny is that yeah. like you think like old tvs will make a comeback wouldn't that be funny if you go in you're like this is not hd yeah well it seems like they could get away with it with blu-ray where they don't have to have compression anymore you know they have compression to get it to cd to digitize it like maybe they 
could add that quality to it if they stretched it out and made it a larger file. Well, I think is they do. I, yeah, I think Flack or whatever that 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 uh, version is. I think that that is something that's very close to it or what people. It's just have to talk to some real audio people to get those up. So the reason why I even brought it up is somebody on my message board made a post suggesting that I put out my next uh, CD on vinyl, and I'm like, wow, I've never even thought about doing that. That's like kind of weird suggestion that might be kind of cool it is a cool idea it's kind of like i don't know if i I, if you heard about this but i guess stephen wright is writing a novel on twitter did you hear about this (laughs) did you hear about this Uh, no he's straight up like he you know he he found out you know he took you know how he's like i mean he's known for the shorter jokes right so he decided well twitter is about being short so i'm gonna write a novel so supposedly he's writing a novel and you can come (laughs) in at any point and you might not know what's going on. He doesn't oh, care. He just continues to write a novel. Wow. I have to follow him. Is it cool. Stefan or Steve with a V? I think it's with a V, actually. Yeah, I think. I, I think it's Steve. Yeah. Steve, right? But uh, but the, but based on but what I'm saying is like the same thing. If you if you bust it out with like everyone else is coming out with like the new, I'm gonna put my put my album out like this, like that, and you bust out with you know a record vinyl. That might be a way to go. Yeah. This can't be him. He only has fifteen thousand followers. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not That's sure. Probably. Is that real? Yeah, that probably is about right. How do you? How can you find out if it's the real deal or not? Well, usually they're verified. I'm verified. Okay. Joan Rivers right here says it's verified. Yeah. Okay. Follow Joan Rivers, but Stephen Wright doesn't say verified. I'm mm. going to take a chance and follow him anyway. Because <laughs> I, I think a lot of those old school guys like Stephen Wright are probably just now embracing technology. So that might be a real number. He might really only have seven. We could re-release your website in bitmaps. Sixteen thousand. What is bitmaps? Instead of JPEGs, we can go. Really? It, yeah, vinyl. Why would that be good? Vinyl photo compression. Just go old school with <laughs> Just everything. Crappy with everything. <laughs> we all go back to like three second video gifs instead of. Having you stream, we just have a GIF animation. I was oh, he is writing. He is writing a novel. He's writing a novel, right? Oh, this is hilarious. Yeah, this like, is hilarious. He's writing a fucking novel on Twitter. That's sweet. How funny is that? That's just oh, brilliant. I can't, I can't wait to follow. I heard that. I was like, that is. I was like, this that is, is just, crazy. That is such a great idea. <laughs> and he ends TBC on like every post. To be continued, to be continued, to be continued, and you get to just follow along with it. This is so strange. Isn't that crazy? But Addressing the question, this was extremely tiring for Harold because (laughs) of his attention would drift. And for some reason, the abstract speech that his mother was making, like a toy train, his brain would stay firmly on track, weaving, turning through to be continued. Previously unconnected (laughs) subjects. Harold had the opposite of ADD. He needed to go... Go some to some school somewhere? Hmm. Some typo. Needed to go some to some school somewhere and learn how to space to be continued. Out. <laughs> to be continued and then out. Space to be continued. Out. The last dream he had was about a man who invented mirrors. When Harold woke up the next day, all he could remember was that he, to be continued, had a dream about a slight... <laughs> this is ridiculous. That's hilarious. This is definitely him. This is definitely him. But this is one of the weirdest things I've ever heard anybody um. doing. Stephen Wright's a maniac. How funny is it? You know, he was the guy who single-handedly, his success threw this monkey wrench into the, the whole uh, Boston comedy scene. There's, a, there's a, a great documentary by this guy, Fran Salamita. Fuck, uh, I, I have to look it up what the name of it is. Have you ever worked with him before? Yeah, Fran was a, a comic from Boston. Boston comic. How did he throw a wrench into the scene? Because he got successful, and... Um, 
when he got successful, everybody kind of freaked out and was like, when stand-up stood out, that's what it's called. Boston was this incredible place where there were so many great, great comedians yeah. that were local guys, and yeah. they would just work locally constantly. And all of a sudden, Stephen Wright got discovered, and Stephen Wright started doing Letterman and uh. Carson, and everybody was like, holy shit. Then he got his HBO special, and then everybody was like, where's mine? When is this going to happen for me? Right. And it kind of like changed the, the tone of the town, because it used to be this almost like... I want to say artist colony, but not so fucking gay. Right, you know? right, 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 right. They were savages. You yeah. know, they were crazy, coke snorting, weed smoking, whiskey drinking animals, and they were right. fucking hilarious. And they were just doing it to make everybody laugh right. and to get by and get paid. But then all of a sudden, you know, the 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 dream sort of appeared in Stephen Wright form. Right, like Stephen Wright all of a sudden became fucking huge and famous and right. national. And these guys were like, "Yeah, Stephen's good, but I'm fucking good too." Yeah, yeah, and, you yeah. know. And it kind of changed the whole tone of the town. You know, guys started like really working towards deals you know I mean it's not necessarily a bad thing but it became you know that it became there was a different goal on the horizon it wasn't well, just being funny it's it was crazy like, how success can get in the way of art yes and right. often does often does but doesn't have to you know doesn't it's all to. manageable right right it's manageable like people say oh you sold out I'm like shut up stupid it's you don't even know what you're talking about as long as you're still doing good stuff well and I think part fun. of it is like I mean like with you I mean I know like you know seeing you at the comedy store when I first was you know when I first was starting there like the good thing about you was even when you had a show or anything going you still kept that mentality of I got to get up and create and write and you continue to do that and so the idea is you can get out of that quote-unquote artist colony you know with success but then you but then you remind yourself it's like a boxer i got to keep training you know it's also i think your motivation changes your motivation goes from the being the motivation of uh, i'm just trying to make it i want success i want to be you know recognized to you get some success then you go okay now i just want to do good stuff i just yeah. want to have fun yeah. now my interest is just on the jokes it's just on creating the new bit it's just yeah. on putting the act together and it actually becomes more fun that way how exciting is it when you do like i mean you get so when you come up with a bit or something that you like i mean it's, it's like it's as good as getting a big paycheck where you're like oh, that was cool i mean oh, even, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it, it's just, it, it, you're so excited about it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's because it doesn't always, one of the problems of success is it becomes harder to write newer stuff unless if you put yourself in those lab kind of situations where you're saying, okay, I'm going to work out some new stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. people come expecting you to always going to, you know, do those killer whatever things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a problem. But you know what? That's fun. It's a fun problem. It's, it's a tester, but it's fun tester. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why we like doing that Sal's Comedy Hole. Because <clears throat> it's real small. It's like 80 people. And I just, I'll fuck around and not even know what I'm really going to say about something. And they know that that's what you're doing. They know yeah. that you're fucking around a lot. And I do most of my real bits too. Yeah. I want to give them solid stand up, but I also want to use the opportunity to fuck around and stretch out. Yeah. I never do a, a full. Like a, a full uh, sacrifice set. I, yeah. won't, I won't like go up there with only new bits and just eat dick. Yeah. I don't like doing that, man. <laughs> I don't think I've, they like it either. The, the only time I, I've recently tried something like that is uh, the Laugh Factory was doing something with Kevin Nealon on Tuesdays, where it was known as Seven Minutes of New Material. And then Kevin Nealon comes on stage and sits with you and kind of, he's a funny guy. He kind of riffs with you and kind of like makes fun of the material, but also gives you some ideas. And uh, and the audience, well, they're supposed to know that that's what they're there for. Half the audience, whenever I go up there, I go, how many of you guys knew you were coming for this? And like two or three people clapped. The rest of them thought it was a real show. Uh. But, the, but the idea <laughs> is you're supposed to go up with seven minutes of brand new, like never try. So what I what, every time I've gone up there, I've like just gone into my BlackBerry and looked at the ideas I've had that I've just put down that I haven't riffed on. Yeah. I just go up and riff. And it's you so never much, know. You never know. And beautiful and real and good things come out of it. Yeah. 
You know, got to take chances, man. That's uh, stand up comedy is one. That's one of the the most important things about it. Constantly moving, constantly taking chances. Some new thing comes out in the news. Get on stage that day. Oh yeah. I, when when Anthony Weiner when when the shit <laughs> went down, oh, yeah. I went on stage that night and had ten new minutes because I was just writing about it all day. How ridiculous it was. I was just laughing. At it. We're living in a fucking Coen Brothers movie. Have you There's had too a dude much named Weiner? No, yeah. I'm I'm good. Um, it's, it's even <laughs> out. It's a yeah. steady number. Yeah. This fucking guy's name is Wiener, and he's taking pictures of his dick and yeah. sending it to women. I mean, yeah. it's it doesn't even seem like it could be real. I know it's ridiculous. If it was a movie, you would go, "That's shitty writing. This is stupid." Right? Yeah. Come on, you dude. Know? You gotta give yeah. him another name. Get the fuck Come out on, of man. here. No, that's it's like stupid. whenever these senators get caught doing gay shit. It's always the same thing. Are these anti-gay senators that oh, get yeah. caught gaying out? You're like, yeah, yeah. God damn it, man! It's, yeah. it, is it that easy? Yeah, yeah. yeah, is it yeah, the, yeah. This is the fucking. Yeah. This is the solution. Yeah. This is really what's going on. Well, there's so much of that going on now. It seems like I mean, I just they just had uh, I just saw Andrew. Is it Andrew Cuomo? Mary Cuomo's son. He's he's now the governor of New York. Is it, I think it's Andrew. Is Cuomo, it? Right? I think anyway, Governor Cuomo was up there talking about. Some, he was. They just showed a clip of him, and I was like, oh man, because he seems like he's he's like he's a Cuomo. He kind of is like seems like he's legit. Right. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I hope he's not banging some lady. I was like, it's gonna. I was like, because it almost. If it's a lady, he can live through a lady. Well, like, dude, he lived through a lady. But no, now you can't even. Live. I mean, it's like you know, the, the Wiener. We don't know. I mean, did he do? Did no. he actually have no sex no with sex. him? It was just like sending pictures of his penis. Just a freak. He's just a freak. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's gone. So yeah. what I'm saying is like you can't like if if government if Governor Cuomo 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 were found to be having an affair, he's done. I mean, you can't. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, and you know, in this day and age, there's really going to be a time real soon where there's no one left to run for office. That's funny. Everybody's got fucking skeletons. That's hilarious. Do you think that Wiener, during the whole, that whole week before he, like, uh, stepped down, do you think he was like, please let there be a death, deadly hurricane? Oh, yeah. Please let there be an earthquake in Africa? What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Right, Well, that's the Gary Condit thing. Remember when 9-11 happened? You remember Gary Condit and Chandra Levy? Yeah. Yeah. Chandra Levy was his assistant. She turned out missing. Everybody yeah. thought he killed her because he was having an affair with her. There was all this craziness, and then you know they found her body. You know, and but he got off. They, oh, he fine. got off. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and they apparently connected her murder to uh, a bu- a guy who had killed a few women in that area. So it might have actually been legit. Oh, it might have okay. been a serial killer. Okay. Oh, but who the fuck knows? So that concept that you had is kind of funny. You, you, you should riff on that about um, pretty soon there'll be no one left to run, and it'll, it'll be like the most unsexable people, like so, <laughs> someone no one wants to have any sex with. Like you get like Ugh. really ugly kind of like. You know, just like warty people, like you got, you got to be someone that's not that, that no one's attracted to to run because they're like, well, there's no way no, anyone had sex with that guy. I think it's going to come down to a point real soon where we we have to come to grips with the fact that everybody that wants to be president, anybody that wants to be in control like that, there's some serious like sexual weirdness going on with you. That's some domination shit. You want to run things, yeah. But also you know? with power, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's part of like the you know, that's part of what comes with it. Uh-huh. I mean, it's what's funny too is the. When that uh, Dominique Strauss-Kahn, when they, when the IMF guy, yes, yeah, what was yeah, funny yeah. was there was I for saw, people who don't know. Explain the story. Well, Dominique fascinating... Strauss-Kahn was the was the president of the IMF, and uh, he's staying at the Sofitel Hotel in a three thousand dollar a night suite. <laughs> he's also supposedly going to be the next possible possible president of France, so he's being geared up for that. And so the maid comes in to clean the place, and he shows up naked, and he basically I think he chased her around and tried to rape her or something. He fucked her mouth. 
Did he? Yeah. Oh my God. So he. So he. Whatever. He, <laughs> Mint. He, yeah. According so, to the story, who knows yeah. what really happened? But but the but the thing it was funny is so he's a French dude and then and of course you know then he tried then he tried to leave the country. I should say allegedly he fucked her mouth. Allegedly he fucked her mouth. I would say allegedly. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'll our sources. Myself. That's what our sources have told us. Yeah. The, the internet. Yeah. That's the what internet. I, read on a message, I didn't look into yeah. that at all. Yeah. <laughs> but but um but uh but the point but what's funny is is I was reading that some of the French the French reaction where they, they were like they were saying like well the french aren't that phased by the whole they're like they expect their politician to be oh if, if your politician in france isn't banging somebody then it's weird right you know what i'm saying <laughs> uh, you know well you know um uh there's uh there's a thing that we've talked about on this podcast before called toxoplasma and it's a uh, a cat parasite that infects uh human beings and changes their behavior and it, it makes men reckless makes men very aggressive and reckless, makes them do crazy shit. And uh, there's a huge population of, uh, a high rate of uh, infection, rather, in France. In France, it's like 80%. Oh, wow. Like 80% of the people are infected by this toxoplasma, as much as 80% in some areas. Jeez. Which is insane. And it, it's a it's a parasite. And it's just the your, men, but it's men brain. and women? Everyone? It affects women, but the women, it's it's tougher to document how it affects women um, because uh, they think it makes them more submissive. But with, with men, it makes them aggressive. And oh, makes really? them jerks. Yeah, it makes oh. them really reckless that explains a yeah. lot yeah you want to smoke some of it so that's why like pregnant women aren't supposed to touch cat shit if they were tell that to your wife when she was pregnant don't touch any kitty litter don't ever go near any cats oh wow that's why because of uh, this toxoplasma but huge percentage of people i mean if this guy has toxo if he's from france i mean he might make him loked out where he just whips his dick out on the maid and so like, be a great do this that'll be a great uh, uh plea in, in court be like i have yeah. toxoplasma you that's know <laughs> feel free to use it i'll be honored if you guys use that uh, the, maybe Maybe I possibly had some saying <laughs> the this. toxoplasma some, defense. <laughs> it's um, it's yeah, very possible. I would like to see this guy tested. I mean, if he really did so, do something fucking reckless and crazy. But I think anybody who wants to be in a position of power like that, a lot of them have sexual things. You know, oh, absolutely. Clinton and oh, Kennedy. Yeah. Clinton would just whip his dick out on girls. Crazy is that? He just he was the president. He would just whip his dick out on state troopers and fucking good typists and secretaries. You, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking like all these guys. Like when you get to that level of power, you should have like a, a like I was thinking you should have like. A, um, a counselor that's walking around with you 24-7 <laughs> and you're like, hey, I think I'm, I'm about to whip out my dick and like, like, that's not a good idea. But what's funny is I realized if it were a dude... The dude eventually would be like, yeah, whip out your dick. Let's just see. He'd be, you know, he'd like goad him on. You yeah. should totally do that. That'd be awesome. Or you want to bang the maid? You should totally bang the maid. You're the president of IMF. <laughs> is, you know? it, is it washed? Yeah. How about Arnold, man? Oh, my God. How about that crazy asshole just fucking everyone who's in his house? How funny is that? <laughs> if you're in his house, he fucks you. That's just the rule. Yeah, you know, no. He was fucking her for 10 years, man. Crazy. And she was not attractive no, at all. Oh, it didn't matter. What do you like have a heart on? And she's Ugh. like cleaning. He's like, I must do, you know, he's like, he just bent over. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I was, I jokingly said, like, maybe he's trying to save money on childcare. Like, you know, have, <laughs> have a baby with a nanny. You got to take care of us free. You know, you change, you know. <laughs> Arnold is probably like when he started banging her. I mean, he was so big, you know, when he was bodybuilding and everything like that. And there's only one way to do that. You have to be on steroids. You have to be on testosterone. And Arnold was like, you know, known allegedly for being a guy who would take just fucking massive quantities of everything. Yeah. You know, that's why he was so huge. Yeah. I mean, you look at the photos of him back when he was Mr. Olympia and holy fucking shit. Yeah. 
Well, you know, the, the levels of testosterone that guy must have been taking were probably through the roof. So he probably just would fuck everything. Oh, yeah. Dude, Neil, me, I fuck you. Doesn't just everything. That, doesn't, that, doesn't that lower your sex drive or, 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 or supposedly like makes your penis small? What happens when... It lowers your body's natural production of testosterone. Because if you inject a bunch of testosterone in your body and you bring it over a certain baseline, where your body's like, what the fuck is all this test doing around here? So your body says, we don't have to use the balls. Shut the balls down. So your body shuts the balls down because you're squirting into your body 10 times the natural level of testosterone so you can get a you know 30 inch fucking arms you know that, that when you see guys like that and you watch them pose you ever see them pose yeah they have the tiniest balls you've ever seen in your life like wow. i would be terrified if my balls were that small if you see those dudes in those little like banana M&M hammocks balls, M&M, their, M&M their, balls? their balls are non-existent it's I like their balls it. wither away i would love it I, I think love I, who, to who, who, I hate my balls and like I don't want anything. <laughs> do, 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 you have, do you have extremely huge balls? Fucking gross things that are <laughs> hanging from my awesome dick. You know, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd rather have two small little cute ball things attached to it than these big droopy old man throats. I don't know what the fuck. Old they man look throat like. balls. I have pretty I average like... sized balls. I'm not that. I'm oh, not that... I don't have big balls. <laughs> uh, I, just have, I just hate them. Maybe you had elephant balls, and you were like, I gotta get rid of these elephant balls. I'm happy with my balls. Yeah, yeah. I'm cool. Scratching your balls is the best feeling in the world, man. I used to think my balls were big until I saw Ari's balls and Joey Diaz's balls. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, my balls are not that big. Those balls are ridiculous. <laughs> Joey Diaz has huge balls, but uh, Ari's has one that are trying to escape his body balls. Like, they look like worms almost. Well, they, they sag way lower than they're supposed to. Yeah. When Ari pulls his balls out, you're like, what the fuck? You need to go to a doctor, dude. What, one go ball to a doctor. Like old and sagging. Yeah. Joey's balls look like they belong on Joey. You know, Joey Diaz. everything about him is a cartoon. Cuban egg roll. Yeah, so of course his balls look like softballs <laughs> in an old lady's pantyhose. You know, it's like that's what he looks like. You would have <laughs> his big giant ball, one ball like a fucking speed bag. <laughs> he's, he's Joey Diaz is classic. Oh, uh, he's a human like no other. There's yeah. very few Joey Diaz's out there roaming the planet. Yeah. I always every time I see him, like, why isn't there just a show just following him around? I, I mean, know, right? The I'm things sure he do. says. Just this weekend, I was with him, and like, we're in the van going from the hotel two blocks, going from the hotel to the venue, and the, some people crossing the street in front of him, and I don't. Everyone else kind of sitting. The Joey does. Hurry up, you cocksucker! I'm gonna take my fucking cock. And he just he starts going and he riffs, and the funniest formation of words come yeah. together. I, yeah, and everyone's just cracking up. I would like to see the things that we don't know about Joey. You know, like oh like, like there's points where he just sings, you know, well, like really long know? opera songs. He's or got nine cats, man. <laughs> he He's probably a has the most toxic man. plasma ever. Oh, ever. Oh, He's yeah. got all four, four. There's like three forms of toxic plasma. He's got all three forms. <laughs> yeah. He's got it all. He's got fucking. Eight cats, nine cats in his house. Didn't he just get a new one? You got a new cat. I think he's recently. got eleven now. I, Jesus I'm pretty sure it's Christ. eleven now. In like a two bedroom apartment, eleven cats. Wow, dude, I got a big house and I have two cats and they drive me nuts. These little Jeez. motherfuckers shitting all over the place. It's annoying, man. My office smells like cat shit all the time. I, know, I always got to clean that. Yeah, it smells like cat shit because oh, they Jesus. just take stinky dumps in there, Oy. and it's gross. They got to clean it out and fucking, and then they take a shit an hour later. Like you I motherfucker, hate I hate it so much. Stinking bro. up my fucking house gets gross, right? I, I hate it. I, my, my place is so small and so I have to have yeah. it in the kitchen so I'm like cooking last night uh. and I just my cat takes a shit and then it's oh. like you know fucking food mixed with shit and, <laughs> and then you spray it and then that now it smells like a lemon forest uh. full of shit and they don't have like because we don't I don't uh. have I'm, I'm allergic to cats so we don't have but we have a neighborhood cats and they always go in our backyard and, and they shit no they shit and I uh. never knew I, I never had cats so I thought cat shit was like little like bunny shit no it's like serious shit I'm yeah. constantly like yeah. I'm like what dog was here yeah and my 
my cat has this thing where like they they pee on certain sides of the the litter box like the pee my cat pees right in front of the opening so it has to put its butt like right out the door of the uh. litter box and he had shit the other day and just sprayed my wall with shit oh uh. god they're such Jeez. dirty little animals and know. you know when you let them out in the wild that's when you got to be worried about toxoplasma yeah that's when they catch it they catch it from from rats out in the wild, so you know it becomes dangerous. It can it can fuck with you, and it's very dangerous for little children. Very dangerous for babies and shit like that. Their immune system's not ready for it. Oh really? Yeah, creepy fucking cats. <sighs> creepy cats. And dogs aren't even better, diseases. man. I it's ridiculous. Dogs. My dog lately has been digging up shit and then hiding bones in there and putting it like like just cartoon style, like digging holes. And it got in a fight with like a possum the other day or something like that. Oh and, my God. and I don't know what it had. It looked like a, maybe a baby of some kind all chewed up and brought it into the house and just left it right on these pee pads that we baby had. So it was like a baby possum? I don't know what the fuck it was. Your what dog I did, is I, so <laughs> tiny. If your dog killed something, it's got to be little as fuck. Was, yeah, yeah. Your dog, what does your dog weigh, like five pounds or something? Uh, eight pounds. Yeah, she's so small. How could she kill anything? What, what can she kill? I, I think it was probably dead already, dead already but she decided to eat it. That's and, nasty. But she brought it in and laid it on the pee pad like she thought it was poop, so that's kind of oh. cool. Oh. But still, it's like I don't want dead corpses and fucking shit on my walls while I'm cooking. That's yeah, horrible. but you can keep the dog outside. Well, not that dog. You can't. A hawk you, will come and swap that sucker up. Yeah, what if I were to buy a huge dog house or make a dog house that was big enough, you know, to like let the dog stay in there forever? <laughs> no. Listen, man, that dog needs people. You got a dog that needs a lot of human attention. You can't do that. You can't we, leave her outside. She'll my, go crazy. We've never been dog people and my or animals. Like I never had animal. My 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 kid loves dogs, and I we thought about for a minute getting one, but then I realized then I just be. I'd have to take care of the dog because my yeah. kid's three years old. He's not going to do it. Yeah, kids will tell you, oh, I love dogs. I'm definitely going to take care of it, Dad. Next thing you know, you're walking that fucking thing every day. Our <laughs> dog, our, my boy has like, he is just fearless. He'll go up to any dog. Like when he was like one and a half, we, we went to some family friends. They had like a Rottweiler, big, scary looking. And he oh. was up there trying to kiss him. We're like, no, no, no. Oh, but he was man. just, he goes for it. I don't trust dogs. Oh, yeah, with no. Babies, because no. they, they get confused and they think babies are dogs. Oh, my God. That's the problem. They don't associate that with being a person. Yeah. So they'll, they'll like, check a baby just to let a baby know. You know, like, check a baby like they would check a dog. <coughs> like, yeah. don't fuck up my territory. Yeah. I, my, I've seen dogs do that before. It's scary. I was going, to, have you ever eaten at that place Toast in, on 3rd over there, on the West, and like near West Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. There's a good, good place, good yeah, food. And yeah. they, uh, we were going with a friend of mine to go sit down one time, and we're about to sit, and there's this girl, like, five year old girl you know cute little blonde girl five year old and she got like uh, a little bloody nose going and, and i was like oh poor girl fell or something and then as we're sitting we sit next to this dog and the story comes out that she was up there playing and the dog bit at her nose and cut her whoa <laughs> and we're like okay we don't want to sit next to this dog what wow. kind of dog was it it was it looked like a regular it wasn't any kind of like it was like a, it wasn't golden retriever but it was like a regular look it wasn't like mutt. like a mutt yeah it wasn't anything and it bit the fucking girl in it the face bit the girl i don't know what what she did or what happened and the dog was, was still alive yeah nobody had beaten it to yeah, death yeah yeah you would think right yeah I don't you know. bite a five-year-old baby yeah. yeah, you fucking cunt dog. Yeah, yeah. I'll kick you to death. Yeah, yeah. So I'm always worried with my son, man. He just fucking, yeah. You got to be real careful. He goes right up. You got to always think that a dog will consider your baby to be an animal. Yeah, 
they don't they don't consider it to be a person because yeah. it's not talking really and they're real little and they're yeah. high pitched voice. It's like this is not the same thing. Yeah. I see Maz Jobrani, he can tell me what to do. Well, this is a little motherfucker yeah, trying to tell yeah. me what to do. Well, bitch, fuck him up. Yeah. <laughs> trying to take my food, trying to take yeah. my dog food, bitch. Yeah. yeah. I've had the worst week. There's this bird that's outside in my tree. <laughs> and like the animal it, kingdom. Yeah. You had a cat, a dog, and now the bird. There's this bird that like I don't know what it is, but every time it gets dark, it goes through like twelve different chirp things. Like it's, it sounds like somebody's breaking into a car. Hilarious. Or it, you know, it's just like ring, 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 and it keeps on doing it the <laughs> whole <laughs> entire <laughs> night. <laughs> the bird call. <laughs> so I'm thinking oh, about no. like poisoning or slingshotting <laughs> or shooting this bird. I don't know what to do because it's been all night you every how, day this week. You know how long you'd be out there trying to slingshot I this know. bird? Yeah, I you know. break every window. You <laughs> 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 fuck. And I bet you got some people who listen to the podcast too. And you're like, I know where that motherfucker lives. It was him with that slingshot. Yeah, it's, fu- it's a horrible. Though. You like, need a BB gun. BB guns are pretty accurate. Yeah, I was thinking, but I can't even see it. It's just this big. Oh. Tree. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's like that's like one, that's one of those ideas you get in your head. You're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put an end to this, and then you end up being like like Wiley Coyote or like Elmer Fudd. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how people like fall from trees and break their neck and oh, die. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're trying to kill some bird that. Tw- Tweets outside your window. Oh, yeah. I've, I've had times when, like, I don't know if you guys had, like, like a, the mosquito. The mosquito's the worst thing. You're sleeping, and then you're like, I'm ignore it, ignore it. He keeps coming back. You're like, fuck it, it's on. Lights uh, go on. Now you got to go around looking for the mosquito mm-hmm. against your white wall. Like, he disappears. He reappears. You're swinging shit. Yeah, your eyes are trying to focus. Oh, my God. Fucking tears in them from yeah, sleeping. Yeah, you know, hour, half hour later, like, fuck it, man. I'm just gonna... <laughs> we don't realize how few bugs we have. In California, until you go in the East Coast in the summertime, oh, yeah. and you realize, like, go near a lake. Oh, go yeah. in the oh, East yeah. Coast oh, near a lake in the God. summertime. You're like, motherfucker, this is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But you know how cool lightning bugs was? I do yeah. miss lightning bugs. When you're just going out in your backyard, and it's just like this glowing paradise. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> but those are cool. They don't, they don't bother you, you yeah. know. They like, just smell gross. But I would say with, with mosquitoes, like, they never have... Mosquitoes, like, pa- mosquitoes know how to fuck up paradise. Yeah. Whenever you book a trip, you go down to Mexico, and you're like, oh, babe, this is great. Here's the beer. Here's the tequila, whatever. And like half an hour later, you start getting bit. You're like, motherfucker. And every time they show those stupid Corona commercials where the guy like throws his cell phone into the water, yeah. I'm like, show the fucking mosquitoes, man. <laughs> it's never that comfortable. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's one of the good things about Hawaii, too. Not too many bugs in Hawaii. That's true. You really make yeah. that trip out to that volcano in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Not that many bugs, man. But California, is, as far as like no bugs this is probably as good as it gets anywhere in the country yeah you yeah. go to florida florida's ridiculous yeah. you might as well be living in the jungle yeah you know yeah. it's just just because there's an apartment building doesn't mean it's not the jungle yeah you got a little pond next door with a fucking alligator in it what's yeah. that yeah. you could be living in gainesville you could be living in like a, a nice part of town and take a couple blocks go for a walk and oh what's this a dinosaur it's a fucking dinosaur, yeah, a poodle, yeah, poodle-eating yeah. dinosaur, yeah. wandering through the streets. Kimono tr- dragon yeah, shows up. Yeah, they're fucking monsters. Yeah, they and are. alligators are not that aggressive. They're not nearly as aggressive as crocodiles. Crocodiles are really dangerous. What's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? The looks are different. A crocodile, their teeth like stick out of their mouth a little bit, and they have a longer snout. Alligators have like a shorter, stubbier, wider snout. But they're but alligators in general are bigger than crocodiles, right? No, crocodiles no. The, they can get bigger. I think maybe American alligators might be bigger than American crocodiles. But the biggest al- the biggest crocodiles are the biggest of that that you know oh, okay, species okay. that form. It's like okay. they're so frogs. similar though. I mean, oh, yeah. shit. If you didn't know and you saw an alligator and a crocodile, you would you would say that's the same thing. It's like a Mexican and a Guatemalan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't look much different, man. But apparently, they're they're way more aggressive. Crocodiles are. Much, much more aggressive. Yeah. I watched some documentary on alligators and crocodiles, and they had this 
place in, uh, I believe it was in Florida, where they were raising them, and they had all these crocodiles, this, these alligators, and one crocodile, and the crocodile would run over the top of the alligator's head when they would feed. Jesus. He would, like, be bitch just stepping over them to get to the food. Just super, way more aggressive than the alligators. But in general, you're right. Like, I, I, like, I don't know how people, like, I, I mean, once in a while we got, like, mountain lions and stuff. But generally speaking, I, you know, how much, you know, would that suck if you're just hanging out and a crocodile or an alligator shows up in your backyard? Now what do you do? Yeah. Well, there was a funny story in Miami about a guy who was running from the law. And uh, in a high-speed chase, ditches his car, wipes his car out, jumps into a fucking river, and wherever he was, or jumped into a lake, the moment he jumped in, he got killed by an alligator. Oh, my God. He just landed, like, right next to an alligator, and the alligator jacked him right in front of the cops. Oh, my God. I mean, it's a fucking movie. That man. is hilarious. It's a fucking movie. The That's guy so funny. J- jumps out of the car, dives into the water, and right away, boom, gets killed. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Those if cops you're... are good, man. Yeah, they got alligators working with them. <laughs> That's like I was actually I, I read when I just I mentioned the is it kimono kimono dragon right? Yeah. Some guy I read in the paper. This guy was like on a boat or something, or he was surfing or something happened. I think he was on a boat and he, and the, and it went shipwrecked. So this poor guy swims to the first piece of land he finds he swims to the shore and a komodo dragon confronts him i was like this poor guy oh can you imagine like it's like a video game it's like <laughs> you survive the thing and right. now you show up you're like oh great now if i kill him what's next you know like <laughs> you know did he live i think he lived holy shit yeah there was a guy who was uh dating sharon stone sharon stone's boyfriend oh yeah yeah he was some like newspaper guy or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. And apparently he was in a whole room full of Komodo dragons at like a zoo yeah. and he had white socks on and the Komodo dragon mistook his white foot for a rabbit so it just snapped down on his foot oh the guy's fucking God. screaming and the, the poison that they have in their saliva they have botulism and all sorts of horrible bacteria oh, in their saliva shit. and you get deathly ill from those bites like you have to go on some radical antibiotics like immediately or you're gonna die because wow. that's how it kills things yeah. it, the kimono dragons bite things and then just follow them just infect them with their saliva like they, they, there's a video of one that kills a water buffalo and it bites this water buffalo just j- jacks it in the leg and the water buffalo runs away and then it slowly follows it for a day while it poisons itself oh it slowly gets poisoned God. from that bite Fucking crazy. That is ruthless. Did, did Sharon animals. Stone's guy die or he lived? No, he lived because they were right there. And oh they got the God. thing off of him. They got it off his foot. But, you know, he almost lost his foot. That is crazy. That stuff is, they're, they're so dangerous. They're fucking, they, they played by a whole different set of rules, son. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is 65 million years ago these motherfuckers were roaming around. Coast, son. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. And animals in general. Like I was thinking about that that lady at SeaWorld that got the, the whale that just took took her. I mean, can, yeah. can you imagine? I mean, I can't. I mean, ooh, it's terrifying. Yeah, you can't talk your way out of it. It's terrifying. And the really terrifying thing about the killer whale thing is that we know that they're, they're smart. We know that they're intelligent. They're not as smart as us, but they're pretty goddamn close. They can't change their environment like us, and we, we show there's no evidence of them being able to create things and build items like we can. But we know that they have dialects. We know that they're super intelligent as far as their language, and it varies from sector to sector. And we also know that they're like incredibly attached to their family, and they have like this really broad language that we don't even totally understand. So we know that they're these super intense, intelligent animals and we still lock them up in swimming pools. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We just go, fuck you. I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. What? What are you saying? Get in there. Yeah. Like, if that thing was saying, please, I want to be with my mother. Please let me go. Yeah. You know? If, if, if it could actually talk and tell you what they really feel, they would be screaming in agony every night. Yeah. They, they, they stuffed them into these little tiny tanks. It's like a refugee so that they can camp or teach something. Them. Yeah. 
And they make them perform, and one of the ways they make them perform is stuffing them into these little tanks at night to punish them. Yeah, and then now they learn to jump, so you can enter, and people will clap for you. You don't even want people to clap for you. That's this crazy whale had killed at least two people too. That is crazy. Yeah, he's killed at least two. He's a bad motherfucker. He doesn't yeah. want to deal with their bullshit, man. And I, you know, he's right. I see his point. <laughs> Fuck, man. If, yeah. if aliens came and they were smarter than us and they just couldn't understand us and we're talking to them, we're like, please, we'll get our shit together. We'll stop polluting the ocean. Please, don't fucking eat us. Yeah. And then they just started eating people. They're like, yeah. I don't understand you, bitch. So yeah. I'm just going to throw you in the zoo, the people zoo. You know. Yeah, this guy's like the revolutionary of whales. He's like the he Che is. Guevara of whales. <laughs> He's busting out. He is. He is. I mean, look, I'm on team people 100%, but we should have totally rethink SeaWorld. We should totally rethink anything where super intelligent animals like that are, are entrapped. Yeah, you know, yeah. You feed them fish. Yeah. They're depressed. They have to be. There's, there's no way you could be a happy fucking imprisoned dolphin. I mean, it's know? pretty entertaining for your kids, but, but beyond that, like I took my kid to the, uh, to the aquarium at Mandalay Bay. Mm. And he was he, two two and a half. Of the, he was going. He would see the shark. He was just yeah. like shark, shark. And he would take my head. I was holding. Him. He'd take my head and just twist it to wherever the shark was. I was like, they should they should hire him out at the front. And be like, you want a tour from this guy? And he just takes your head. Shark, shark. He should they be in a commercial. It. Oh yeah, that would be a great commercial, right? Yeah, that would be a great commercial. But that's every, different though. That's fish. Yeah, that's true. Fish right. can go fuck themselves. They're stupid. <laughs> fuck them in the ass. They don't even take care of their their young. Yeah. They, they just jerk off on eggs, and then yeah. the eggs become babies. I yeah. don't care about fish. Yeah. But dolphins, I know that they can think. Oh know? yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Can you watch the cove? You ever see? Did you see the cove? No, I didn't see the cove. It's terrifying. You see the slaughter of Japanese, the Japanese slaughter oh, yeah, of those yeah, dolphins. Yeah. Fishermen. It's oh, so just, hard just... to watch, man, because you know they're smart. Yeah. Dolphins are smart as fuck. They're yeah. like little weird, intelligent aliens, almost yeah. like little water elves. Yeah. Like they're playful little water elves. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. They're super smart, man. And they seem benign. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure they have both sides, but they seem very. They'll benign. rape you. They'll rape you, but you know. They'll throw a rape in on your ass. <laughs> I'll try it out once. Can you imagine that? How do you come back and report? <laughs> you like, see the video online of a woman getting humped on a dock? Yeah. By a dolphin? Is that guy. legit? It's a guy. Is it a guy? Yeah. It's a gay dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> gay rapist dolphin. I love it. <clears throat> it's great. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think eventually we're going to have to come to the conclusion that zoos are really cruel and, and inhumane punishment. And they're, those are animal prisons. Oh, you've been to you've been to the L.A. Zoo, man? Yeah, oh, I've been to the L.A. Zoo. It's just miserable. It's horrible. <laughs> it's the worst Half of zoo. it's not even open. So oh, you're just horrible. walking by like old ghost parts. Eddie Bravo zoo. fucked up and went to the zoo on mushrooms. Oh, oh no. What awful. He said it was so sad. He said it was like the saddest day ever. He said all you could do, you feel all the negative, sad energy from these poor animals oh, yeah. and people staring at them. And their animals are usually, I mean, it's, they seem like every little display you went to, like the animal was just looking for shade. Yeah. yeah. He didn't want to entertain you. Yeah. He was just in the corner somewhere looking for shade. And then they had like an elephant thing, and it was like, and it was in the back, and they had like, we didn't even make it. The, the guy was like, it's a long, long walk. It's so poorly thought out, too, because look, human beings have a bunch of systems that are put in place to ensure that we breed, to ensure that we succeed in life, to ensure that we, you know, accomplish things. There's all these things that are set up in order for us to live, you know, the human way. Well, for animals, there are, there's all these instincts set up in their ma- minds, too. Yeah. One of the big ones is to kill things, yeah. to kill things to survive. You know, they they get that charge that, I mean, that's what is fun for them. That is what is the joy of life. I mean, it seems cruel and fucked up, but the joy of life for a lion is to take out a gazelle. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. That's what it's there for. Yeah. So if you're going to have real animals and you're going to have them in these lockdown environments and pretend that it's good for them and pretend that it's a good environment, you got to let them kill things, man. 
Yeah, Why it's like in it's, there? it's like um, I, I went to Kenya once, and uh, they have like the animal preserve. So you just go in, and it's like you know you you actually kind of it's almost like you're going into their turf now, right? To check it out. So it's not they're not caged, but it was actually really interesting. So you go somewhere, and there they are just doing their natural thing. It was a lot more natural, it seemed. The one thing was we were driving back. And we saw rhino, and we were in this little like they give us this like minivan, not a minivan. Yeah, it was it was a it was a uh, it was this little van, and we had like this driver, this Kenyan driver, and he wasn't at all like, you know, he wasn't armed. He he didn't seem like he was he was there to protect us. He looked like remember the guy the gods must be crazy. Remember like the skinny. <laughs> it seemed like that's the guy that was driving us. There was like no defense mechanism. I'm like so this guy stops, and where there's like eight or nine of us, you know, all Westerners, and this rhino is like eating. And we're like, look, rhino, rhino. And he oh. looks up and he gives us this like look of death. Like oh. it's almost like you just interrupted Suge Knight in the middle oh. of some, you know, business meeting. And and we all we all freaked out. Like oh. it was an intimidating look. We're like, go, go, go. And the guy's like, 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 like Fred Flintstone, like get the car going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And our friends were telling us what these guys do. I guess they're colorblind, the rhinos, and they and they just see something, and if it, it if it's disturbing them, they just run, they would ramp, they would have he would have rammed us. And they'll tip you over, and now it's you know whatever, however it plays out, it plays out. Either oh, we all Jesus. you know, you all get stomped to death. Yeah, some shit. So fuck, it was pretty crazy, dude. That's rhinos and hippos are two of my number one fears yeah. as, as far as animals go. I say yeah. hungry hippos, hungry, 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 hippos. hungry hippos. <laughs> no, hippos, I think, are responsible for more human deaths than any other animal in Africa, other than ants. Really? I believe ants are responsible for more human death than any How animal in Africa. How do ants kill people? Oh, shit, dude. <clears throat> in Africa, they got real problems with uh, with giant swarms of poisonous ants. Oh, shit. Yeah, army ants and all these different... There's there's, there's so many really vicious ants, especially like in uh, the Amazon. There's a thing called uh, the bullet ant, and uh, they, they actually use them for coming-of-age ceremonies where they make these young men stick their hand in these gloves that are filled with these bullet ants. Oh, my God. And these bullet ants, it's unbearable pain for like 24 hours for each bite. Oh. Like unbearable, like getting your hands slammed in a car door all day long. That is crazy. Yeah, like insane pain, and that's like the coming of age thing. Is that if a man can get through this, he can truly be a man. You should do that in Fear Factor. <clears throat> but in Africa, Brian Callen actually um, was uh, working when when he first got out of college. He wanted to work with insects, and he wanted to study them in overseas. And one of the things that scared him off is because he went, I think, to Borneo. He went to some crazy fucking jungle, and they had to put turpentine. They all slept on platforms, and they had to put turpentine all over the the legs of the platform, and they they have to be elevated above the floor of the jungle because if you're leave if you leave them on the floor of the jungle, and then the ant come up once one ant bites you and sends a signal there there will be millions of ants on you poisonous ants on you and you won't be able to stop it that there's nothing you could do they will eat you Not alive even from shushing they take out elephants <laughs> they climb up elephants legs and they climb in their ears and start eating them oh alive dude the more i hear things like this the more i, I realize like i just want to go to four seasons hotels <laughs> yeah, around exactly. the world <laughs> staying in burma and just be like have the waffles know, the have breakfast the waffle, buffet. You know, it's all good man like because some, some i know some people are like adventures like we're gonna go oh. into the jungle and da-da-da. i'm like you go camping bro i'll yeah. be at the four seasons <laughs> yeah. you know he, uh, Brian said that they, so they poured turpentine all over the legs of this platform that the, they're, they're sleeping on. You know, they have the hut and the hut is above the platform. And he said in the night you can hear them marching. Oh, wow. He said there's so many ants and they're so terrifying that you can hear them marching. You hear oh, them. My God. That is creepy. 
you hear millions and millions of ants just waiting to stumble on something. And whatever they stumble on, whether it's, uh, you know, they'll, they'll climb up a tree and find some, uh, some young birds, you know, that are stuck in the nest and swarm millions of them. So, oh like, there's an, a lot of jungles. The, the birds will try to put their nests on the highest possible branch. And a lot of it is to avoid ants. That is ridiculous. Ants are motherfuckers. That's like that's dude. like you know it's like it's funny because like when uh, you know when when you travel you realize what you were saying like it's like the the like the amount of stuff that's going like the the difficulty to live in some other places like when I went to Kenya we were for a wedding just just wow. to go to just to go to Kenya you gotta go you gotta get like uh, shots for dengue fever yellow fever. Jungle fever, I don't know, all kinds of fever. Malaria, yeah, all kind of malaria. I was like, is it what the fuck? Where are we going? You know? It's like I don't know about this. I have yellow you know? fever. Yeah. You go into the motherland. You go to the motherland, but get some jungle For fever. Real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is the motherland too. Is, <clears throat> that's the, that's where it all began. That's yeah. where human beings were hatched. Yeah, you know that's pretty crazy that now, it's still so fucking wild. It's crazy, right? When you look at Africa, the continent, like you ever watch like those documentaries on Africa and compare it to any other continent in the world, you're like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Yeah. You got wildebeests and yeah. lions and yeah. crocodile, saltwater crocodiles and fucking great white sharks off the coast. Coast of South Africa, and ants that'll oh, eat you. Jesus Christ! <laughs> no continent is crazier than Africa. And I guess Australia is probably a close. And don't even get started on the flies. You know how annoying that would be in your eyes, just sitting on your face all the time. Oh, oh so shit. many flies yeah. in Africa. <laughs> yeah, whenever you see those poor, starving kids, it's one of the saddest things about those videos. Yeah. Their eyes are covered with flies, flies and shit. Fucked up. Man. What a fucking crazy place on earth. Yeah. I am obsessed with the Congo, man. I've got a, a bunch of documentaries on, on the Congo. One of the best ones is from the BBC. But uh, one of the most fascinating things about the Congo is there's so many areas of it that like people barely get to. Yeah, you know, there's like this. It's unbelievable how fucking dense it is. And they, in one point in time, Europeans tried to settle it. They tried to like build these giant mansions and shit. And some right. of them are still there, like in frame. But they just got swallowed up by the jungle. It's just too wild. But what's crazy is you got you got like you got nature, and then you've got like rebels fighting each. Other. I mean, so you might survive yeah. the ants, mm -hmm. but you're gonna be taken down by the whatever the Congolese oh, yeah. rebel, whoever you know. Yeah, there's a lot of problems because they're fighting over resources. There's a lot of minerals in the Congo. There's a lot of minerals they use to make cell phones and shit like that. Yeah. So a lot of that is where they, they harvest H it out Have you ever Congo. performed in South Africa? You ever Fuck gone no. You haven't, huh? No. They do festivals. I, I want to no, go good. one more time. Have a good time. No, no, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be pretty <laughs> I'm cool. I'm sure man. it is, man. No, no, no. I'm tired of traveling, man. I, I enjoy going to the UK like once a year, but even that, it's like enough. I go to Australia once a year, oh, enough. Yeah. No, it's I hear you. Too Me too. Much. I'm sick of the. I'm sick of the travel. I mean, I'd be curious yeah. to say, but I mean, it's funny because people ask, like, like the fun part of stand up is actually being on stage and doing a show. Yeah. And I'd rather just drive up the block to Sunset. Go to Brea. Yeah. Just go and just do it there, <laughs> then get on a yeah. freaking plane. Well, we're in a great spot too because we can work so many places around here. You can go to Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. You can go to the Ice House. You can go to San Diego. You oh, can yeah. go to you know. You can go to Irvine. You go to Brea. Yeah. You can go to Ontario. You can do all the improvs. You could do. I mean, and you rotate all these clubs. And after a while, you just start back up on the first one again. Yeah. You know, it's like 15, 20 weeks later. You yeah, know? yeah. And they're just doing these same clubs over and over oh, again. Oh, God. I'm I won't even you. perform inside of a South African. <laughs> <laughs> you just claim, claim you can't, I can't help you. <laughs> South Africa is, uh, I'm sure it's a great place. I like D-Ant word. Yeah. Like they got good music, but I don't no, want to be, go there. Be, no, it'd be cool. I mean, you know, actually, I was going to... I like I was, District 9, too. I was but. thinking of going... I, I mean, I, I, there was, like, an offer to go this summer, 
And I was thinking, exactly what you said, because I got two young kids now and, and my wife. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just take everybody with me. Right. And I was like, well, then maybe take the nanny, too. To I started, Africa, yeah, dude. I, dude, I started doing the math. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to be like losing a lot of money. Yeah. Just to, I was like, screw it. <laughs> We're going to well, stay here. Bring you, Chevy Chase. You, yeah. got a, you, you must have a, a big international following now because you, you've you really become like, a, a, as far as like, uh, would you call it the Persian community or the Iranian community? What yeah, it's a little it? bit. You know, the Persian community is like my first probably it's funny like uh like tripoli one time sam tripoli was like he's like you're like the persian elvis otherwise known as pelvis so the, the, that sounds like a tripoli line all right so so i so that you know that's like my like you got your you got the persian middle easterners then you got like arabs you know and then and then after that like then like you've got like npr types that are into like world you know what I'm saying? <laughs> NPR types. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I'm telling you, we man. We love the fact that you're different. Yeah, no, it's it's actually pretty funny though. It's it, it's actually good to like do stand up in, in in front of people that know the difference between Iran and Iraq. You know what I'm saying? Right. As opposed to like doing it in front of someone who's like, "What the fuck?" You know, it's all the it's same all shit. It's all the same shit. Yeah, just blow it up. Um, <laughs> you know. So no, it's it's so it so it has become a thing. What happened was in '07. Uh, when we were still doing the Axis of Evil, me, Ahmed, and Aaron, we went out to. And to, this is a tour that you guys were on. Tour the Axis of Evil comedy. Axis of Evil comedy tour. It was. It actually originally started with Mitzi Shore, who put us together and called it the Arabian Nights. Ah, that's right. This was in two thousand. She put it as the Arabian Nights, and Iranians aren't Arabs, so we do shows, and like inevitably, like Iranians would come up afterwards and be like, "It was a good show, but uh, we're not Arabs." And I was like, "I know." And Iranians are very sensitive about that. Uh, I actually read a National Geographic article. This this journalist went into Iran and said, "I was." interviewing people and he goes i asked people uh what do you want the world to know about you he said the first thing they would always say is we're not arabs mm -hmm. the second thing we're not terrorists so it's like it's better to be a terrorist than an arab in their mind you know that's kind of in america we know so little about iran other than the iran hostage crisis oh, yeah. and that you guys are trying to get nuclear power and blow shit up yeah so that's you know all the know. negative shit yeah. exactly exactly and then we know about this most recent almost takeover of the government yeah the green the green movement which was the the because what happened was in 09 there was elections and there was obviously voter fraud um but they uh so then there was protests in the streets actually that was kind of that was the first time where I had Americans coming up to me going like, wow, you're, there's such, so many beautiful women. Like, because like, the protesters, there was a lot of women in them. And there was dudes in jeans. So people were coming up and going like, oh, aren't they supposed to be wearing burkas and like turbans? I'm like, no, man. I'm like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Tehran so, is like a, is an international city, man. Yeah, Iran is much more sophisticated and much more ahead than we've been led on. Absolutely. We, we've lumped them in with like Pakistan and Afghanistan. Yeah, and even those... I mean, like Afghanistan, I think, is probably the, the one that's like the least developed, you know? But even those countries, like if you... You know, they have a lot of Western influences and also a lot of, you know, especially with technology and stuff now, there's a lot of people that are advanced in these countries, especially if you go to a major city, you know, you're going to see, you can see hustle and bustle. You're going to see some dude driving a Mercedes Benz as a multimillionaire. And then you can see some dude like pushing a cart who's making five bucks a year or something. You know what I'm saying? Right. So th this, this exists, but it's like, I think a lot of people's image of the Middle East is just dudes in turbans and women in burkas. And it's like, first of all, the burqa is like, you know, is, is pretty exclusive to like uh, Afghanistan, where they would wear the you know the full thing, the, 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 like the, with the blue thing the, under the Taliban, where they had to cover themselves and they could just barely see out of like that little mesh. I love that shit. I would love my girlfriend to wear that shit. It could be kind of <laughs> sexy. 
That's the, that's the weakest pimp move of all time. No, 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 no. Cover everything. No, except your Even your nose. Yeah. I'll let her keep, cut the tits out or something. Just, just have the eyes tits and tits. Out. That would be fine. Just the you eyes should, with should, stars over the nipples. You'd market that online. See if people would buy it. I think you found your niche. Yeah. Your niche. Right. Burka sex wear, sex clothes. There was a woman at the mall in Texas. I was in Texas recently, and there was a woman at the mall that was in full gear. All you could see was her eyes. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. She's yeah. really going, you know, she's going fucking biblical. That's you know, making a old fucking sh- statement old in Texas. I think that's hot. Yeah. Do well, you actually, like it's that? fun. We it's did dirty. actually, we did a show in, in uh, Saudi Arabia with Ahmed. And, uh, and um, you know, after the show, a lot of people that come to our shows are either, they've either traveled in the West or they're Western educated or they're expats. So, you know, after the show, we're taking pictures and all these people coming up. And this one girl came up in one of those. It's like she was fully covered except for the eyes. Wow. And she took a picture with us. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, no one's going to like, what? Who, like a, you could be anybody. It has like that superhero vibe, though. Like, you don't know who this person is. You don't know if they're going to take off their burger and the most beautiful woman in the right. world. You know, I love that. Well, you know, it's subservient funny. to you, right? Yeah. You and only you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. she washes your feet. She brings me she fruit. Yeah, yeah. Fruit. No, it's, fu- it's funny. It's funny because actually, in because so now, so you got so you got your the burqa, which is Afghanistan. Then you got like the veil kind of thing with the eyes covered, which uh, is like uh, Saudi Arabia do that a lot. Then like in Iran, you get some that are religious that will cover like their hair and everything, but you see the full face. Then you got like Dubai. We got you got these girls. It's ridiculous. They uh, they wear the like the thing and. Um, and and but it's all bl- like they're blinged out. Like you'll see, you'll see like designer shoes. Des- even the even the thing that covers them, yeah. they put like little st- like diamond studs on them and stuff. Really, it's yeah. the weirdest thing. It's just hot. Yeah, and then they t- <laughs> dude, it's actually they're they're they're, they're pretty cute. Like they'll, yeah. they'll take like they they and then there's beca- there's become this thing there now where like the women, it's weird. Like they want their like the hair to seem like it's puffier, so they'll take like a can like thing like this and they'll roll their hair up. Yeah, in it's it, a bump. And then they put it there, so it looks kind of it looks very like. Star Warsy, you yeah. know, like a princess wow, in Star weird. Wars. They might as well be Star Warsy with those crazy robes. So cool. I mean, pretty, that's some Obi Wan Kenobi shit. Yeah, it is. It is some Obi Obi Wan Kenobi. Actually, you know what? The Obi Wan Kenobi. You know what? I was in. Um, I went to Morocco just to travel, not to do shows. This was years ago. I went to Morocco, and we went to Fez, which is the coolest place. The Fez cap comes from that. You know, the Fez cap, the like the like that with the little thing. Right. Anyway, and 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 they told us I went there with now my wife who was then my girlfriend and she'd been she was studying in the south of Spain so we like took a boat over and we had no preparation like you should you should research before you go. So we're like on our way on the boat we're reading this like little guidebook and it goes whatever you do um don't accept a guide cuz they're going to and fez they're going to try and come up to you and want to be your guide and if and talk to the hotel to get you a guide. We didn't have a, we didn't have a hotel like we didn't know where we we're gonna stay, and my and my girlfriend at the time kept saying she said um, my wife now she's like we need to go to the old city that's re- that's supposed to be really nice the old city now I don't speak Arabic I speak Farsi so I had no idea how you say old city in Arabic but the Moroccans they speak French I take I taken three years of French so the whole time in the train I'm like how do you say old city in French I'm like is it La Cita you know. Vecchio, you know, I was like, that's not it. So I finally asked some dude. He's like, oh, l'ancien ville means the ancient city, l'ancien ville. So, so our plan was just land in Fez, find a cab and say, take us to l'ancien ville. So we get in the cab and the cab driver's like, where in the l'ancien ville? I'm like, just l'ancien ville. You know, he's like, at a hotel? I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was like, just go to some hotels. So the dude takes us, we go into the ancient city. And then right when we get there, some guy like flags him down. He comes, the dude walks over to the passenger side 
and leans his head in and says something in Arabic to the to the driver. And then he leans to us. He goes, hello, I will show you. You look for hotel. He sounded like Borat. I swear to God. You look for hotel. Uh, and we're like, uh, no, we're okay. He's like, no, I will show it. Don't worry. And he got into the car. I'm like, shit, we're getting kidnapped. And he takes us to some like, like, like the, they have these like old homes that are turned into hotels. It was really nice, but like nobody was staying there. So he takes us there. Anyway, so he becomes our guide unintentionally. He's now our guide. I'm this like, is what fuck. you were told to avoid. To, to avoid. Yeah. I'm telling my wife, I'm like, shit, now we got a guide. Like, how do we tell him no? He's like, don't worry. You don't, I, you, I show you around. If you like, then maybe you can give some. He didn't even like bring up the money thing. Like he's just, he's like, let me take you here. Then he said, let me take you dinner. I would kick that motherfucker right out of there. Dude, guy. it's one of these situations though where you're like, okay, this guy's a local. He kind of, I mean, you feel intimidated because you're like, they know each other somehow. Like, I don't want to like, you just, you kind of like, let's go along, but just be ready to run at any minute. Ah, you know what I'm saying? That's so crazy. So we ended up in some, um, he's like, let me take you for dinner. We go to this restaurant. I'm not kidding. There was like balloons and banners. All this shit was up, but there was no one. We were the only two eating at the restaurant and the waiter comes out the waiter was so excited to see us he's like hello hello and it's like the waiter was the waiter slash the cook slash the owner like he would like go cook in the back and then come <laughs> sit and watch us eat it was the craziest shit wow but the obi-wan kenobi shit that was crazy is these guides they actually wear the obi-wan kenobi like the the gown with right. the hat like during the day they wear it and that's the official like fez like guide outfit like that like that's wow. an official guide like the government i think recognizes them as guides oh. and the weird one when i realized it was obi-wan kenobi and I, and I was like i was like george lucas must have come to fez and come up with this because my wife and i the next day she go the guy goes i'm going to show you the castle today and we're like all right <laughs> so he takes us to like the castle he's like okay i cannot come close you go i come i see you at other side i guess they don't let the guides come so should we go we take a picture too and then we're like, how's the guy going to find us? And we start walking and across the, and I'm looking for the guy literally across the street in one of those Obi-Wan Kenobi, because that's what he's shown up with. Obi-Wan Kenobi outfits, like with the hood on, he's kind of across the street watching us, nodding, and he's like, keep walking. So he kind of kept an eye on us. And you know how like in Star Wars, like Obi-Wan oh, right, was right. kind of weird like that, like like disappeared. And so I was like, I was like, George Lucas must have come that's, here and gotten a guide. And then he came up with the fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. Wow, that's so weird. So how long has this guide outfit existed? Dude, the guide outfit was his like day day outfit. And then by night he would show up kind of dressed regularly. But, did, but Whoa, yeah. that's so strange. Yeah. How long did he you ask how many years they've been doing this? Is it an ancient tradition? We, I didn't ask him about outfit? the I didn't ask him about the Outfit. I just I just realized there was a bunch of guys with the outfit around. Like it was it was basically you'd have like your clothes underneath and you just throw the robe on. It's almost wow. like yeah, it's almost like you know like a judge. Like they just put it over. Did you ever have a pet monkey that robbed you? There was a pet <laughs> monkey that robbed. Me. There was. <laughs> it's funny you say that because they actually first of all they do have pet monkeys out there that like that like um do do tricks and stuff. But what he did was he took us to a rug store. That he's like, you want to see rugs? And I'm like, and at the time, I was living with my mom. Like, I, I was dating my girlfriend, but I was living with my mom, and I didn't have an apartment. So I had nowhere to put rugs. I was like, no, I don't need a rug. He's like, yeah, just come, we look at the rug, you know? And so finally, like, we go into this place. These guys, the Moroccans are the biggest sales people. Like, they will, like, they will fucking, they will push you till you buy. 
Like the guy, he came out. He's like, "You want? I look at drugs." I was like, "I don't really want to look at drugs." He's like, "Just look. It's okay." So, and then they bring you out mint tea. So now I'm looking at you know my my girl. I'm like, "Oh, this is fun. They're gonna give us free mint tea, and all we gotta do is look at some rugs." And he's like, "Okay, out of these ten, which do you like?" I'm like, oh, "Those are kind of nice." He's like, "Okay, I give to you for you know whatever five thousand dollars." I'm like, "Dude, I don't have a place to put them." He's like, "Okay, which three do you like?" I was, like, I was like, I don't want any. He started negotiating. I didn't even know I was negotiating. Finally, I'm like, okay. First of all, I'm waiting for my for, for her to bust in with like, look, dude, we don't want the fucking rugs. But she's just sitting there going like, she's thinking, because later on I asked her, I was like, why don't you bust in? She's like, I thought you're the man. You're going to take it. I was like, no, you got to come in. It's like the tight ass. And then finally, um, what was funny was I was like, oh, I got I got the Trump card here because it was literally in some back alley with like, like, like barely, like they barely had like, like like the door like you know it was all old school like like the bells like when it, there was like nothing technical about the place I'm like I got the trump card right here I'm just gonna let the dude know I got no cash bro I got credit cards and I said that and he's like we have credit card machine oh. wow. he went and got those oh, the old the roller you know the no. old thing and uh, and then and then they fucking they they sold me three rugs ah! yeah <laughs> I'm not kidding and and the funny thing is um, they shipped it to the America and I'm not kidding I had no place to sit to put them. For six months, I drove around with three rugs in my trunk, oh, and I was just—I've like you I was still like, have them? I, I, I gave them away to relatives that had apartments. Oh. Like <laughs> I actually have started to talk about it in stand up, and I go like, for six months, I was going around trying to sell it to relatives. You know, no, you just look, have some mint tea, you know. <laughs> but that's how they get you, man. But it's like, but that's like we, you know, twelve hundred bucks, man, twelve hundred bucks. I was like, I have wow. no idea what they. I don't know if they're worth it. I have no idea. He scored. He scored yeah. on you. Oh yeah, they they ate for for a month. <laughs> It's funny how many cultures there are like that, that barter and, you know, like you oh, try to get you to buy things on the street. Oh, yeah. Street peddling is like a big part of a lot of cultures. Oh, yeah. Know? That freaked me out when I first went to Tijuana. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd never seen that before in en masse where people just selling everything in the street. Every This was like way back in the... I went with Wheels. Oh, yeah. Wheels, Wheels were Parisi, doing, yeah. Wheels Parisi were doing uh, the comedy store in La Jolla. Oh, yeah. And Wheels didn't even know how to get there. I go, do you know how to go there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how to go. I didn't know where the fuck he was going. I'm like, how do we get back to America? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> totally lost. No navigation systems back Hilarious. then. You know, this is like the late 90s and shit. You know, no one knew where. You, you were lost, man. I was yeah. like, we got to get the fuck out of Mexico. For, I was in Mexico. I was in Tijuana for 20 minutes. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's like, I couldn't believe the stark contrast between San Diego, across the border, all of a sudden you're in a third world. Like, oh, yeah. whoa, like this is this is hookers everywhere. Yeah. You know, w- w- girls walk in the street and you see guns open. Yeah. You see like open guns. Yeah. See, there was like so many creepy little fucking spots and we were driving around these little weird cities yeah, and I'm in a that. Toyota Supra Turbo, shiny oh, little, f- looking like an LA douchebag, yeah. looking like a victim. And the yeah. federales look free. That's the problem in these places is the cops are even, you got to look out for the cops. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to rob you, man. I had that in Mexico where the guy, because then what they do is like first of all you walk into like the mexican the mexican uh, bazaar i went into like there was nobody there it was like dead it was like middle of the day no one's there and i walk in there and the guy's like hey you want to buy like a bag or whatever you want to buy a uh, shoes i'm like no it's all right he's like uh, how about some weed i'm like no he's like cocaine i'm like no and then and then then he's like fucking pussy like they like <laughs> they turn on you i'm like what happened man we were bros <laughs> he's like you fucking pussy just because i don't want your heroin yeah. come on man yeah, i'm like we gotta get out of here man 
Yeah, Mexico is a trippy place. It's it's so strange that it's connected, you know, and people don't don't seem to re- recognize that threat, the fact that it's connected. They also they actually said that this McCain just came out, not not that this means anything, but McCain just came out and said that giant forest fire they have going on right now in in Arizona. You know about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge out of control wildfire and they think it was started by illegal immigrants setting up camp. Oh wow. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of guys they cross the border in Arizona set, you know, little do little campfires and shit and yeah. whoops, forgot to put the campfire out. Shit. Giant fucking 140,000 acre, who knows how many acres it is now. That's crazy. It's, it's insane, but it's uh I'm actually scheduled to do some show in Mexico like in the fall and what's funny is like, you know, people are always scared of the Middle East and stuff. But, like, my wife and I were talking about, like, you know, all these kidnappings and stuff going on in Mexico. And it's like, is it worth yeah. going down there and, you know. Yeah, I'm thinking about the same thing, like Cabo. I was just thinking of going somewhere in Mexico. But is it even worth going? I heard that if you go to resorts, you're fine. My you friend stay. Matt just got back from Cabo. He oh, goes to Cabo all the time. It? He loves it. Cabo's supposed to still be nice. But there's Acapulco, which is real dangerous now. Acapulco is supposed to be dangerous. Cancun is supposed to be a little tricky. They, for the most part, avoid the resort towns. They don't. Yeah. They want to fuck up business for everybody. But in Acapulco, they've jacked people in resorts. Really? Yeah. Acapulco is apparently pretty shady right now. But uh, Cabo is supposed to be still good. I was in Cabo. It was good. It was a nice resort. It's actually funny. Before all this was kind of going on, like five, six years ago, I went to uh, Cabo and we were staying at the Hilton. And it was a nice place. And it was kind of funny because because everyone's out there, obviously. You know, tourists and their bathing suits, and these two dudes showed up. It was like the it was it was like Keystone. It wasn't Keystone. It was like it was like bumbling idiot criminals. They showed up. These two guys with with empty bags, like duffel bags almost, uh, with their shirts off as if they're tourists with jeans. Obviously not tourists. Like, and there were these right. two Mexican dudes walking right. around the pool, like just checking shit out. And like, look at this, walking around looking for a place to like like start snatching things. And I and I looked wow. at my wife. I was like. Do those guys seem like they fit in here? She's like, no. I was like, I better tell somebody. And went over to the management. Like, those two dudes don't look like they're hotel clients. And the next thing you know, they're getting escorted out. Oh, really? They walked in, but it's like they did not buy, you know, invest in a bathing suit. So right. at least you look the part. Wow. They were in there with their jeans, with their shirts off. You know, obviously not, you know, just did not fit in at all. It's weird how quickly it's changed. I, I went uh, on vacation in Cancun, I think in like 2000, 2001. And uh, I wouldn't even think about going there now. Yeah. It's, it's too bad, too. It's crazy. There's so many spots I want to see. I, I want to see um, all sorts of uh, the Mayan ruins. Yeah. There's so mm-hmm. many different. Palum and, uh, you know, I've been to Chichen Itza and there's ones outside of Mexico City. I would love to see them. I mean, they're yeah. incredible. Well, I guess there's that, that exhibit in Cabo, that underwater uh, art exhibit. Have you seen it? Where it's just a bunch it. of statues underneath the water and you can go down there, I think it's scuba dive or do something like that, where there's just this huge art piece underneath the ocean oh the recently someone's put yeah, there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I and, I get, seen that. and i guess if you're a good artist they will let you add your own work to it like if you're a real artist so it's kind of cool so all these really good artists have been adding things to it and i guess it's just uh, amazing that's wow. badass wow. and the only way you can get to it is by scuba diving i think so i'm not sure i'm not i'm not, I'm not sure about that part but that's what i kind of get maybe Cabo? it's a boat yeah well that's cool yeah this, they've got to write that country, man. They got to figure it out. They I did know. with Colombia. They straightened Colombia out. Colombia, apparently, you can travel there now. And it used to be, you know, back in the '80s when the cocaine crisis was going on, Colombia was just ridiculous. You know, Medellin was a, a goddamn war zone. Yeah. But now, apparently, you can go to Colombia. Like they've taken care of shit. They've cleaned yeah. it up. 
But I don't know if they're ever going to be able to do that with Mexico. It's just it's, it's so close to the supply, you know, the, the cash supply of America is like right there. Yeah, if they can get the drugs and you know get that shit across quickly. And they're doing crazy shit like rolling heads into discotheques and shit. Have yeah. you heard about wow. that? Like yeah. kill people and roll heads. I mean, at what point do you go? I right. killed them. I cut off his head. I rolled it. Let's roll it in a discotheque. The, <laughs> other, like, the other thing I've been thinking of is I guess Japan is so broke right now that that, that it's so cheap to fly to Japan right now. They need people to come to Japan because no one's going now and so i heard that there's like flights for like ridiculous amounts of money from la like 300 bucks or something like that just to go to japan wow and i'm like now would you go to tokyo would you do that or is it doesn't do you I know would anything have to about read it? up on what the yeah. levels are as far as radiation goes but the problem with japan and the radiation is that i don't think they've been entirely honest about it yeah i don't think they've been honest about the leak you know there's they're finding out that all three of them are melt throughs they're, they're they're finding out all sorts of things where it turns out that the actual damage done by these, you know, nuclear disasters is far, far greater than what they had initially forecasted. Mm-hmm. So who knows, like, how far the spread of the radiation goes? I would have to f- hear about that. Yeah. It would be a fucking shame to go there for a three hundred dollar ticket. And just <laughs> yeah, get, and get this fucking nuke. Anything for a bargain. Get bigger balls. I would love to go to Japan, though, man. I've always wanted to go. I was Me always too. hoping that we'd do a UFC in Japan. It's such an amazing piece of history. You know, that one part of the world is so unique. There, there are innovations as far as martial arts go and swordsmanship and literature. And, you know, I mean, that's where the Book of Five Rings came from. The Book of Five Rings is one of my, like, guidebooks for life, the Miyamoto Musashi book. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, all that samurai way, all that shit came from Japan. It's an amazing culture. It does seem like a pretty crazy. And, they, and it feels like after, I don't know how they were before World War II, but it feels like after World War II, they became more capitalistic than we are even. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you see, like, any footage I've seen ever, it's like... You know, like like the the neon lights and the and just like the the amount of like the Japanese and the products they love and you know it's just. I don't think they're as materialistic as us though. I don't think they purchase things and own things. I don't think there's a lot of emphasis in their culture of owning things. Okay. I think they spend all their money going out to eat and spend all their money drinking and spend makeup and it's different. And, and you notice also knows that a lot of them all have all have like eyelashes, fake eyelashes, and they spend what? so much money. The, the women. A, okay. The women spend. <laughs> Imagine if men started rocking fake yeah. eyelashes. Hey. Well. You have you seen, guy to do it, but they look. kind of they kind of do. They spend a lot more money on how they look. Like I saw really? the, the other Americans? day. I, what the Americans? Well, the, I saw the, at the Saddle Ranch. I saw a group of like <laughs> that's no, his, no, no, seven, that's his research. Seven, <laughs> seven, seven kids. And you for know, sure from, they from were from Asian. Japan. Well, I, well, whatever, I don't know that, China, but they, same but shit. They, they all had like their their hair done with like the brown and the, the the blonde streaks in it, and they all had had like their their jeans that probably cost them three hundred dollars. They do, they do. I've always said the Japanese seem to be the most European of Asians. Yeah, like they're very much into like like you said, it's kind of a different. It seems like a different look. You know, they are a little like hipper in their way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Topic it's mixed with hairstylists. It's interesting. Interesting how many uh, Japanese people are into American culture and oh, how, yeah. how much they follow it and are really, really, you know, enamored by Elvis and, and Michael all Jackson of, yeah. was like uh, oh, yeah. it was a Superman for them. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it's a fascinating culture. You know, when they had all these problems with the tsunamis and the earthquake and everything like that, and people would wait in line for uh, for food and water and rations. They were orderly as fuck, man. Yeah. Their culture is like so polite. Somebody like was telling me that. Line. Somebody told me that they went to a bar or something in Japan and people were lined up like at the bar as opposed to like the idea of just come at the bazaar mentality. Right. That's pretty crazy if you think about that. 
Yeah. yeah, they're they're much more disciplined, much more disciplined and humble. Did you ever see Babel, the movie Babel? No, what you never that? saw Babel. No, what is it? Oh, it's a great movie. Uh, Inaritu, the the director. Did you ever see Amores Peros? You know what? No, with the I, dog that's fighting one of those and movies all that. I, I bought on DVD and I put it down somewhere. <laughs> it's, I have to get in the mood to watch a movie with subtitles. The dude, he, he's an intense. He's a great director. He's he's done like he's done. A, I've seen a few of his movies. I think he I think he also did Twenty One Grands. I might be I might be mistaken, but he I did, think you're right. Yeah, so he's got, like, the movies I've seen him do all have, like, two or three stories, and they all kind of intertwine somehow. And this one, Babel, was amazing, and it had, like, three stories going on. One of them was, uh, it's uh, uh, Brad Pitt and, um, not Naomi Watts, but but, um, I forget her name. Um, Anyway, they, they they go to Morocco. And they're visiting Morocco, and uh, and some shit goes down, and then and then and then there's another story of a Mexican um, family who's trying to get to a uh, a wedding, I think, across the border, and then they get into some trouble. Um, and then there's a story of this Japanese girl. This is what I was talking about, the Japanese thing. It's so amazing. This girl, I think she should have won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress that year. She plays a she plays a deaf girl who's like just depressed and living with her dad and this stuff, and she just as an actor. Like, I don't know how you play deaf, and I don't know how you do it that well. Like, it's the most amazing thing. And what was really cool about it was, so this girl's like a party girl, like having a good time with her friends, but she's depressed. And what was uh, this intense scene where, like, they're, they're out, they're partying. I think they do ecstasy or something, and they end up at a, at a nightclub. And it's the coolest thing because suddenly um, it goes from her perspective Imagine, like, from a deaf person's perspective, a nightclub. So, like, it's, like, like really loud, but she's not hearing the whole thing. It's just kind of, like, it's, like, muddled, and she's kind of looking around. And it's the most intense shit. I'm kind of getting goosebumps. you got to see it. What's it called again? It's called Babel, B-A-B-E-L. It has a great soundtrack, too. Oh, really? And, and, um, and, um, I've heard of it. And this scene, this girl killed it, and she ended up losing to um, uh, Hudson, Jennifer Hudson, from uh, uh, Dream Dream Girls was that the movie? Yeah. And I saw her. I saw some of that. I didn't see the whole thing in that, but I, I think that she won because it was like a popular. Like she sang in that. I mean, I'm sure there was some good acting in it. But this girl just knocked it out. Like as an actor to sit there and watch somebody kill it like that, you're like, damn, wow. you know. And it was, but it was all Japan, and it was it was pretty cool. It's a cool like night, kind of like a night in Japan kind of. Thing. Such an unusual culture, man. Yeah. Such yeah. a cra- it's a really crazy place. Yeah. They invented uh, the uh, suicide bombing too. They invented yeah. uh, they invented the kamikaze. Yeah. You know, they, you know what they did? They got people on crystal meth. Really? Yeah, that's uh, that's how they got them to do kamikaze work. They crazy they is gave, that? gave them crazy amphetamines and made them just fucking do nutty shit. Crazy is that? That makes you know, sense, right? You know what's interesting is when you realize like that's that's good to know like like when you realize sometimes the motivation behind some things. Like my dad before he passed away, he used to tell me that a lot of the mullahs in Iran, um, they, they're like a lot of people in Iran smoke opium. It's it's like smoking weed, but it's opium. Right. And he was saying that a lot of these mullahs actually smoke opium. And I ended up doing a bit about, uh, you know, stand up about how the reason these guys are talking shit to America is because they're high, and suddenly start making sense. Like even like Gaddafi, supposedly is just high on all kinds of meds, and so you realize why the guy's out there talking like he's fucking Tony Montana. Right. I don't know if you've seen some of the quotes, but he's like, I'm going to fight till the death. Yeah. Da, da, da. So it, you know. Somebody might give him like credit as like I mean his followers would be like credit for like oh this guy's got balls he's standing up to America but no the guy's fucking high and he's just talking shit right and the same thing with these guys that are kamikaze you know it's like oh wow there's a lot of balls to do that yeah if you're fucking high on meth you're like yeah I think I'm about to fucking take on this fucking boat <laughs> with my little plane I just saw a movie you guys remember see that movie Airport it was big in the seventies 
uh, it was kind of airport. About, yeah, it was about a terrorism act that this guy this guy lost his job. The economy was shit, and he was going to kill himself to get, to collect on insurance. And so he went on this plane, and it was kind of cool to see like how planes used to be, where people are smoking on oh, yeah. them, and, you know, and, and all this crap. And then he uh, blew up a bomb on the plane, and it, it was so funny seeing how a how we used to think if a bomb blew up on a plane, like how this little hole came out and some it, the wind blew around a little. It was like, oh, it's windy in here, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the plane's not special effect to the ground or anything like that. Yeah. But dude, it was also weird just seeing like how the airport security used to be, how like this, how movies like this was a movie about a terrorist blowing up a bomb in nineteen whatever seventy nine or seventy two or something. I think it was even earlier than that. But they made uh, four movies about it. I don't know if you guys have ever seen was, it. Was, so this was actually an actual thing that happened, and it was based on a true story. No, 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 movie? no. This was just like the the their take of terrorism oh, okay. back okay. in the seventies, okay. yeah. and, and and like bombs and bl- blowing up the planes. Well, and there was very some terror. Yeah, nineteen seventy. It was there was some terrorism back then. You know, I mean, there had been uh, that that event that happened at the the Olympics, the Munich Olympics. Yeah, yeah. what year was that? That, that was, was seventy two. That was the seventy two Olympics. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they, we've had terrorism forever. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Well, they say even like if you go back to like the whole Jewish Palestinian thing, like before before Israel became a state, the Jews were doing terrorist acts mm-hmm. to try and get, you know, to 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 get to, more locks. Yeah, to, to get more locks. Yeah, no, but the, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it always you know, when, and an oppressed people are always doing the terrorist sure. act. You know, yeah. um, but. Um, but no, but that that uh, uh the the thing with the with the with what you're talking about air travel and stuff now even now when you travel when you go to different parts of the world, it's amazing to see their take on terrorism and their take through like the airport. Like, What's it I, like? Well, I've just seen like I've been like I've been to airports now sometimes in the Middle East where the dudes like straight up like like he's talking on his phone as you're like the TSA guy is on an earpiece <laughs> talking on a phone. Just like, yeah, go ahead. And I, I was joking. I was like, he's like, go ahead. You know, you, you know, you can go because you know, because you know, we're we're all terrorists. Like, you know, like you know, that, that was my take, <laughs> jokingly. Wow. But but like, I've had that. You know, I've had I've had dudes like on the phone, not paying attention. I had I saw one TSA dude literally like he was he was kind of um, he he kind of like moved out of the way, uh, and he was checking out chicks' asses as they would walk by. Like that's where his mind was. Um, in Australia, you do uh, in Australia. Like in, I've I've done this like uh, again like on, on domestic flights. You can take liquids on, and I don't know I don't know what the deal. Like I was about to throw the water away, and the guy's like, "No, bring it on. It's all right." And I'm like, "That's kind of weird, man." Yeah, some places they don't make you take your sneakers off. Either. Yeah, 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 it's just weird. Different places, different takes on it. The whole thing's ridiculous. <sighs> or like or like I'm sorry, I landed when I when I, I my, my my wife was studying in South Spain. She was studying Marbella, which is like known to be like a drug uh, like drug slash like you know, um, uh, mafia, all these like Russian mob, anyone who's doing some illegal shit goes to Marbella. And when I landed at the airport, like, you know how like usually there's like, you know, customs, this and that. There's no, like, you could just, I was like, I could have like a bag filled with heroin right now. And they're like, come on in, man. You so know? it's known for being like an illegal Yeah, if you go down there. zone. I'll tell you, I, I realized like I was walking on the, it's beautiful. I was walking on the little boardwalk and I saw this like, Big, you know how Russian, some Russian dudes are just like, they're big. This guy was big. He had like the short, kind of short shorts, no shirt on, like black socks all the way up to the knee, 
on a cell phone just walking like with a gold chain. I'm like, that dude's <laughs> Russian mob. Like, come on, man. That's like Tony Soprano going out for a walk, you know? Russian mob's way scarier to me than the Italian mob. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. The Italian mob is so much ego and flashiness and talk. Like, like all the shit that John Gotti did, you know, everybody like thought of John Gotti as like, wow, this is like the ultimate gangster. No, that's the ultimate thing you're not supposed to do. Yeah. You're not supposed to like be on TV where everybody knows who the fuck you are. Yeah. You're not supposed to like be so blatant about it all, wearing yeah. fucking $15,000 suits and you know, having people knocked off in front of steakhouses. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. You yeah. guys are going to ruin the whole thing. And it did wind up ruining the whole thing. Yeah. Whereas the Russian mobsters, when was the last time a Russian mobster got clipped yeah. and was on TV? There's no Russian John Gotti's. There are, but you're never going to fucking hear about them. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the th well, the thing about the Russians, too, is like, I, I again, I talk about this on stage, and it's total truth. It's like, they... Like, if you watch anytime, like, there's something going on, like, there's, I would say, like, whenever there's a hostage situation, like, these guys are so badass. They show, the military shows up and they just kill everybody. They're not, they're, they're like, yeah, we might save some, we might save some hostages, but they'll probably die. Yeah. You know, yeah. they just, they're, ba they're like, we're going to kill the hostage takers, kill the hostage. We might kill each other. They're so badass. <laughs> and that's why I'm serious. It's like the biggest mobsters in Russia. It's like Vladimir Putin is like, he's the leader. Yeah. He, when he, when he left as prime minister, he made the, he made the, the other guy, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, I got his name just slipped my mind right now, but he, he brought the other guy in as the president and then he just became prime minister. It's like when you pull shit like that. It's like, all right, this dude. It's gangster shit. It's gangster shit. Yeah. And he's a Med black belt Medvedev. in judo. Yeah. yeah. Medvedev. Yeah. And he's a black belt in judo. Like yeah. a legit black belt. Still trains. Yeah. Flips people through the fucking air. So he like lets everybody like Obama know, like, bitch, I'll kill you. And you see it in the eyes. Yeah. Like oh, when you yeah. watch, like, when, I'm huh. sorry. I'm, I, again, I saw the, the press conference. It was the, the contrast. If you can like YouTube it, maybe like there's a, like after September 11th, there was a press conference with Bush and Putin. And you know, like Bush was like with the speech, you know, with us or against us, smoke them out of the hole, <laughs> you know. And Putin was just straight up like, what are you guys going to do? He's like, we're going to kill them. Like who? He's like, anyone, we're turban, we kill. You know, and it's like, <laughs> you see it in his eyes. Like he's like, he's thinking like, okay, I will say what I need to say. But afterwards, some dying is going to happen. Well, you know? apparently, you know, Bush and Putin had a meeting and Bush was uh, so offensively ignorant that uh, Putin like immediately started changing the way he negotiates and deals with America afterwards. Like just didn't respect what Bush had to say. Hilarious. Bush was like giving him advice about things, and he's like, "Blah blah blah." Who the fuck are you talking to, man? Yeah. I'm Vladimir Putin, bitch. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're yeah. just the son of some fucking CIA agent. Yeah, that happens yeah. to be the the puppet in charge. Yeah. like I'm really running shit in yeah. Russia. Yeah, that's the yeah. difference between like the president of America. The president of America is like some sort of a fucking figurehead mm -hmm. for giant corporations. Yeah, the guy who's running Russia is really running Russia. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fuck, man. Yeah, they're pretty badass. You know, I always say like, I don't fuck with Russians, man. It's a tough, tough world up there, yeah. man. Yeah, you know that that fucking Staryoskol where Fedor Emelianenko, the the former heavyweight pride champion, came from. Yeah, whenever I watch documentaries on that guy and that life, you know, you like look at him up there in that mining town near yeah. Siberia and yeah. shit, freezing fucking cold. It's like hours away from Saint Petersburg, Russia, by train. You're yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing out yeah. here, man? Yeah, some hardy ass people. Yeah, man, they don't fuck around. <laughs> you know they have wolf problems up there. Oh, do they? 
Yeah, they're having giant packs of super wolves that are banding together for the first time and killing livestock because it's Jesus. so fucking cold this winter. It got so cold up there that many packs of wolves joined together be- to become one giant pack. Oh, my God. Because they're, they're the, they were the freezing temperatures were killing all of their game, and they were getting desperate. So they formed some sort of a new strategy and would go into fucking towns and just jack all their you know all their livestock. Dude, that's got to be the worst way to go. Can you imagine if you're like walking home with your girlfriend or you know wife after like dinner one night, and you're like, oh, it was a great dinner, and then you're... You look back, you're like, that's a pack of fucking wolves. Wolves are terrifying to me. Oh, my God. Because we've killed them off in this country, and then we started restocking them. Like, they're having a problem right now in Idaho, I believe it is, because uh, they've uh, stocked the the giant gray wolf from uh, Canada. And they brought it into Idaho to try to like bring bring the populations up, but now the populations are out of the out of control, and they're in like the several thousands, and then now they're killing livestock and Jesus. fucking things up. And you have to worry about them with people too, because they're big animals, they're like yeah. 180 pounds, yeah, and they will kill people, yeah. Like all that big bad wolf shit and little bit Riding Hood shit, where it was always wolves. That's because wolves used to kill people. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. we figured out tanks and jets and guns and. You know, there was like there was a real issue. Yeah, you don't want to fuck with a wolf, man. They're like <laughs> Russians. Don't fuck with them. That's <laughs> funny. Well, there, ever, there was a great documentary on Yellowstone and the cycle of life in Yellowstone. And one of the things it talked about is how the wolves got stronger over the winter, and all these other animals got fucked. All these other animals, like they couldn't find their vegetation. They had digging through all the snow to get to their plants, and the wolves were just eating all these deer. So they would be well fed, and they would be stronger. And the the livestock, the caribou, the deers, they would all slowly. Start start to, to weaken and they would all just get taken out by wolves it was fascinating to watch man it's crazy I, I, I two thoughts came to mind one, one was I remember as a kid in Iran in Tehran I was a bit I left when I was six and I remember my dad was like my dad was was like a manly man like he's just like you know like and he was and he was a self-made millionaire in Iran so like he was like back then like he was like the godfather like the shit he would do for people he was like the godfather like straight up like Don Corleone like come to him whatever you need done but he but and all his friends were like wrestlers and shit like like Tough dudes. A lot of wrestlers out of Iran. A lot of wrestlers, yeah. And then my dad was a big drinker because he was from north, northern Iran, Tabriz, which is near the border of Russia. So vodka was like water. Like they would drink it all the time. <laughs> so I just have this memory of my dad. We were coming home from a party. He was obviously drunk. He was driving us home. And there was a pack of wild dogs like down the block from where we lived. And my dad was so crazy, like like manly. He pulled the car over and picked up a couple of rocks and started chasing the pack of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, drunk on vodka. Yeah, like I'm coming. In. I'm like, what? The Family heck? in the car. Yeah. He's throwing rocks at wild. Yeah, dogs. and I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there as a kid, going like, damn, my dad is badass. You know, <laughs> when you grow up, you're like, no, man, my dad was drunk. What the fuck? But, well, I- Iranians are famous for their for their physical conditioning. There's like a lot of uh, techniques that they used from uh, Iran that uh, are still used today, like yeah. physical conditioning and certain like uh, the, the shield cast and a couple of uh, fitness moves and the the, the wrestlers from uh, Iran were, are known like internationally for being some of the toughest wrestlers in the world, especially when you consider that Iran is not a very large country, yeah. but consistently produces top 10 world-class wrestlers like every year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wrestling is one of our big sports there, and it's and it's uh, it was it's a huge thing. Like Iron wrestling. Sheik, bitch. Iron Sheik, baby. Recognize. <laughs> he was a legit wrestler at one point in time, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's wrestling and weight and weightlifting too is yeah. another one. Like Iranians always compete. It's kind of weird. It's a manly country. Yeah, yeah, manly country. Exactly. But it's funny. The other thought that came to mind with the wolves when you're talking about the wolves is having a kid. I'm sure you've seen it. It's like it's funny how these these children's books 
and like you know if, obviously you know big bad wolf but like once in a while they'll be like you know this such like the cute little wolf or the cute little like some animals that like you know the hippo my my son loves hippos he was talking about like hippos are known for the most deaths in <sighs> But my son's like, I, you know, hippo, hippo, sure. and like they're so cute. And How about these polar books. bears? They yeah. sell Coke. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, Coca Cola, yeah. and polar Aww. bear. Yeah, yeah. Monsters. Yeah, it's crazy. Fucking evil cunts. Yeah, yeah. They, it's funny. Like you could do like a you could do like a spoof like a behind like a like a behind the scenes. You know how like some actors that are like. So lovable end up being such assholes. You know <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know exactly. You know? That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah okay. Like the fucking the star baseball player who tells a kid to go fuck himself yeah, and he asks exactly. for an autograph. You're like, yeah. what the fuck, mister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're my hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking, you know, I love hippo. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to eat you. Yeah, fuck you. Fucking sh- biting your car tires off. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah There's man. a great picture online of this uh, African guy running from a hippo. And it's a it's a funny picture and a terrifying picture. It's funny because the guy made it. He survived. He got away from the hippo. But it's fucking terrifying when you're watching it, man. Because this guy is running, in the, which is essentially a gigantic wild pig. It's what they are. They're a different kind of pig. They're Jesus. in the family of pigs. Yeah. And pigs are ruthless assholes. Yeah. You know. And this giant wild pig is chasing this guy down the street. It's fucking terrifying. Can you imagine the thought? Like one of my thoughts at, at that point would be. Are they sp- like? Are they supposed to run faster? Like I'd be starting to think about <laughs> run fast as You know fuck. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. have I ever heard of a news piece about these guys? Like, you know, the only thing they- that keeps you safe is that they can't run too far because they're so big. Oh wow! They're so big and they're carrying so much mass, and a lot of times they spend they spend a lot of their time in the water. They can run, but it's not their best move. You got to outdistance them. But this guy was running fast, and this thing looked like it was like right on his ass. One of the beautiful things about this podcast is that uh, we have this message board at JoeRogan.net, and whenever we bring up something like this in the podcast. There's a thread that's already dedicated to the Maz Jabani podcast. Oh, that's that, hilarious. Uh, what is his name? Mr. Dennison, he puts it up. I should give the guy credit because he puts it up. Yes, Mr. Dennison, cool motherfucker. He's always doing this. But I know somewhere on this thread, someone's going to put that picture of that hippo chasing oh, yeah. that guy. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. The internet's a beautiful thing in yeah. that respect. Yeah. You know, you said that picture that, and, and talking about African stuff, have you seen those pictures? I think it was, might have been Mogadishu. Have you seen those pictures or like the like of these guys when they were chasing dudes with machetes? Did you remember that shit? There was like something going on. I think it, I think it was Mogadishu Is that years the, ago. The, the Hootsies. It might have been that. Yeah, it might have been that. Yeah, that yeah, would be Rwanda then. Yeah, the the Tutsis and the Hutus or whatever. Yeah, how do however you say it? Yeah, Hotel Rwanda. But it's crazy to see human beings chasing each other. The dude was like straight up chasing. They were chasing this one dude. They had machetes in their hands. And you sit, first first thought is like holy shit. Second thought is this cameraman is nuts. <laughs> He's sitting there going like taking pictures of this shit, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I'd be like, okay, I could tell the story. I'm not gonna fucking. And then the third th- is just that poor guy is like, he's gonna get. They're gonna catch him and they're gonna fucking chop him to pieces. Yeah. That is crazy. <sighs> Human beings are such assholes. Well, especially in Africa, man. There's a long history of that shit going down in Africa. Yeah. And the whatever we're talking about, the Hutus and the Tsetses, however you say it. Somebody correct me. Hutu, Hutu. I don't have internet. Please, somebody on Twitter, correct me. Yeah. Um, those guys, you know, like one of the things about the, the horrors of that war is that they would go into a town and kill thousands of people with machetes. Yeah. Yeah. Just chop them up, and then they would pollute the river because they they oh. would throw so many bodies in the river oh. that the the water from the river would become undrinkable because it was rotten with human bodies. 
Yeah, it's a fucking, it's a terrifying place. Africa is so fucking wild. It's so fucking, it's, it, it, to this day, in 2011, it's probably the wildest place on earth. But just war in general, like they were talking about, they just caught one of these other uh, Serbs, uh, Serbian leaders. Uh, remember, there was Milosevic, and then there was another guy that they just caught, I forget his name, but, they're, but they've got all these counts of uh, human atrocities against him. He was a general, I guess, and he would go into a town, and they would capture the enemies, and then they would say, he would say something like, you know, um, hey, it's all good. We just wanted to capture the town. So all the men, you guys can come out and we'll let you go. And like the men would come out and they would mass, he would, they would get them out by like saying like, it's all good. And once they come out, like they would massacre the men and then like they would rape the women. I mean, it's just like, why do you got to do that? It's like, just, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's, it's old school Genghis Khan type oh shit. Oh my God. People are just, oh. Hutus and the Tutsis. Tutsis and the Hutus. Great thank, movie, Hotel Rwanda, by the thank way. Thank you, Create Culture. Yeah. And Perry 411 and yeah. Frederick Lambert and Reed 3 Reed. Hey, can I say a shout out to my brother in law? He sure. loves the show. PD, yeah. PD Monty. I don't know if he's listening right now or not. PD Monty, what's happening, brother? PD Monty. He, he loves the show, man. He loves your show. I was in Vancouver and we came out of this uh, steak restaurant. I was with Bad Bobby and uh, Savage Science from the Rogan board. And we stepped out of this steak restaurant. And as we stepped out, the guy goes, hey! And he puts his hand on my shoulder. And then he pulls off his earbuds and shows me his iPod. And he's listening to the podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, how cool is it that? Was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I was like, wow, that is fucking nuts, man. That's a surreal moment, right? It was so surreal. It it's, was, like, it's like I heard Sting in an interview. He said he knew he was starting to make it when he was at some meeting in some office in the high rise. And, he's, and I don't know if this is true or not. But he said he saw the guy outside clean the window. And the guy was like singing Roxanne or something. As he's ah! sitting there in the meeting, he was like, oh shit, I made it. Well, once Eddie Murphy sang that in that movie. Oh my God. It Sing. just became, I didn't even know about that song until I saw that movie and Eddie Murphy was singing it in the movie. And Dude, as a kid, that might have been one of my favorite movie moments. Because oh, I went yeah. into that movie being a huge Eddie Murphy fan. How could you not be? And then when they introduce him like that, you're like, he, he just, he basically lived up to everything you expected. And then that movie just got better. I watch that movie now. Like, you know, when he goes into the bar, you know, you best have yeah. yourself a black Russian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's a new sheriff in town. That's His name shit. is Richard Hammond. Oh, my God. It's so great, man. Yeah, dude. He was the best. No one was a better comedic actor in a movie than Eddie Murphy, in my opinion. Yeah. 48 Hours oh my with God. him and Nick Nolte. Oh, yeah. He just took <laughs> over. And it was the right amount of vulnerable, the right amount of badass yeah. and cocky yeah. and the right amount of self-deprecating. And he was and like 22 yeah, at that point. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And a killer stand-up, too. Oh, my God. Oh, you my know? God. It's almost a ashamed that he had all those problems with trannies and what have you yeah. where he doesn't want to go on stage <laughs> yeah, anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't want people heckling because yeah. god damn at one point in time if you go back and listen to his shit when he was like 19 he was a brilliant comedian yeah. at like 19 years old yeah man. he was very funny actually I rented some like old videos and there was a comment like a national competition and they were they showed the top five winners and he was fifth place wow. and, and everyone ahead of him they don't, they're no not allowed one, anymore. No they're gone. Well, he doesn't even do comedy anymore. That's the it's weird crazy. thing. And his brother does. You know, It's like Charlie's out there carrying on the family name. It's funny because when people ask me about how I got into comedy, I was in college and I'd like, I thought about doing it a few times and I was always intimidated because I'd done acting as like in plays, but I was always, in, I was intimidated to get in front of an audience and talk about like my point of view. It was like, you know. So I was in college and I saw these two guys and they were just horrible. It was a comedy competition. And so I told myself, the next time there's a competition, I'm just going to do it. So I always tell people, I say, you know, you get inspired by greatness and mediocrity. I was inspired by mediocrity. And the funny thing is, I, um, just like maybe a year, year and a half ago, I'm at the comedy store in the original room on a Tuesday. 
and I and I just came off like this big tour in Australia where I was like headlining in front of a lot of people. And you know, it was like automatic. I called on a Monday, just gave avails for every night. And so I get a Tuesday night show. So I go up and it's like the crowd's not that great. I'm not into it. I'm like, I just I've just got got off the road doing, you know, thousand people and like and in an hour twenty, and now I gotta do fifteen minutes. I don't wanna try anything new. I was like, I don't even wanna be here. I was like, why'd I do this? I get on stage, I'm just all over the place. Nothing's really hitting. The only person laughing is Johnny Zapp. You know Johnny <laughs> Zapp? Yeah, sure. John, and what's funny about Johnny Zapp is in the past, when I first became a regular at the comedy store, Johnny Zapp actually had like given me, like he watched the set one time and like he started giving me tags. And I didn't know who he was because he'll tell you, he's like, I was around when Richard Pryor was here, this and that. So I thought he was like a genius of comedy. So <laughs> he gave me like some tags. And, it, and quickly I realized, I was like, no, this dude's just a dude that hangs out. He's crazy. Like, yeah, he's yeah. crazy dude that hangs out. Like, you know, because then he started giving me the tags. I'm like, these are horrible tags. <laughs> and then so I'm sitting on stage. I'm kind of dying. And Zap is the only one laughing. And I'm like, thank you, Johnny. And, uh, and then I'm getting ready to get off stage. And Steve Burns, the next comic. And Steve always like does like a long kind of jokey intro for me. Like whenever, who's next? Maz Jobrani. I don't know who that is. Well, whatever. Um, this next guy, I'm not sure if you guys want to watch him. He'll do like that. So I start doing that to Steve, and I'm just riffing a little bit. And it's just getting like, this is a very mediocre set. I'm walking off stage. Zap waves me down. It's a Tuesday night. I'm like, oh, God, Zap's got a tag for me. And he goes, hey, man, Eddie Murphy's here. And I thought he was in the main room because Eddie Murphy's always in the main room. Right. So I thought he's like, oh, Eddie Murphy's in the main room. I was like, so what? So I start walking, and as I'm walking, Eddie was Eddie was sitting the whole set watching my set in Mitzi's seat. You know Mitzi's seat? Right. I walk past Eddie. I'm like, oh, my God, I just died in front of my comedy hero. I walk down the steps. I turn around waiting for my buddy who's coming to get me. We're going to go to the Laugh Factory. Eddie walks down in front of my buddy, gives me the quick little look, doesn't say anything, just keeps walking. So in the back of my mind, the only saving grace is I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's going to make a comeback. He's going to end up on The Tonight Show. They're going to be like, what inspired you to come back? And he'll be like, you know, I was watching this mediocre set one time. To come. Like, I'm the reason he came back. Awesome. Uh, you brought Eddie Murphy back that's how i roll man uh, that's for what that's you know I, I was talking about this on the kevin smith show about going on stage and you know how some guys will just go on stage fearlessly like chris rock will go on stage fearlessly with a, a batch of new material and just hash it out and see what the fuck happens and if it if it comes out it comes out but it's it's so tough to bomb oh yeah and to bomb in front of a guy like eddie murphy must be just fucking terrible oh my god i was just and it, but, i mean and because oh and here's the funny thing was halfway through the set I'm not kidding. It was a Tuesday night as I was kind of like, because the whole time I'm going, just get it together and get through it and, and be funny. And, and, and part of me is like, I'm all over the place. So my head's really not into it. And I'm not even like, because sometimes I'll go up there and just go, I'm going to riff for five minutes for new material. I just wasn't, you know, you're up there. I'm like, why did I even put in? Right. So halfway through the set, I'm like, dude, get your shit together and make it a good set because somebody might be in the audience. Ah. And I swear to God, the, the past 12 years I've been there, I have never had that thought. And I thought to myself, and then the, the the other voice, the comedy store voice, came in my head. I was like, "Who the fuck's gonna be in this?" Eye? Like, you know, and, and who cares? Like, the whole point of the comedy store is to go with who cares. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. And so it was one of those like, who cares? Who's who could be in this audience that has any kind of influence? An agent or something? It's fucking Eddie Murphy. Like, People ah! so don't realize when you talk about the comedy store. You know, that's like one of like I used to say when I lived in Boston that that was mecca. Yeah, I would hear about like Kennison and Richard Pryor, and that was the comedy store in Hollywood. Yeah, but then you actually get there and you realize oh this is an insane asylum oh yeah 
and no one's watching it. Yeah. No one's paying any attention. And that fucking mic is just turned on at one point in the night. And then there's no host even. No. The comedians tag team. It's, there's no club in town that does that, by the way. Yeah. Where the, all the comedians just bring each other up. No, there's a fucking host, like a professional show. Yeah. And the guy will go up and he'll bring people up and he'll do a little time in between and he'll give you your intro and get it straight. Yeah. No, no there's no fucking get your intro straight at the store. Yeah. You know? No, not at all. It's and what's but about I'll be honest because that's where I actually grew as a com like I I I'd done one year of comedy then I became a, then I became a regular comedy store and it was great because there was no pressure mm. it was like you're gonna I got used to shit crowds that was what was weird when I started performing at the Laugh Factory and there was real crowds <laughs> and I was like oh my god people are so nice at the improv what the fuck yeah it's so <laughs> weird and and it's weird seeing guys who started uh, in town and started at one of the clubs with audiences I actually saw a couple com- comics one time I, I saw this at the Laugh Factory one comic. Go like, oh, I'm not going after so and so, and I was like, oh, that's an option. <laughs> I, like, I didn't realize that's an option at the store. I mean, how many times did Mitzi shove you on after some killer, Dude. some Martin Lawrence type character? Someone would go up and destroy. And oh then, my Here God. you go, Maz. And also, and also, what happened? Like, the weirdest one I had was one time. It was one of these thin nights, not a, like not much of an audience. Dice does a stop in. He's gonna do like an hour, and the crowd and is a is a thin crowd. But it's his crowd. They start loving him, and I'm trying to like work on. It was like like kind of towards like like the Iraq War, and I'm trying to work on some like war, anti war shit, shit political shit. And he's doing like you know you know fuck ass and fuck they, this and fucking nice. Yeah, and he's oh. doing he's doing it, doing it, doing it, and they're loving him. And then it was weird. He does one joke, and somehow there was feedback on the mic, and he just looks at the mic for a second. Then he looks at the audience. He drops the mic and he walks off. <laughs> And the, and the piano player is not there. There's no one there. No one, like you said, no one is running the asylum. Uh, yeah. And every, nobody even said, like, who's next? It's just dead. And the audience is kind of like, that's weird. And no one's there. So I'm like, I'm next. I got to go up. So I had to go up on stage that's and be like, awesome. no hey, intro. how you guys doing? I'm Maz Jobrani. Nobody knew who the fuck I was. You know? And, it's, and that's, that just makes you tough. You fuck learn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My hardest sets were falling dice. Yeah. I had a bunch of hard sets falling dice. Following Dice, following Martin Lawrence, following Menstelia, yeah. following I followed Richard Pryor when Richard Pryor oh, shit. was still doing stand up. Shit, yeah, those were those were weird times. But Mitzi was always real smart about that. If she thought you were any good, yeah. she wasn't going to give you an easy spot. Yeah, if she thought you were decent and you had a you know a spark in you, she would throw you on in the worst position possible. Yeah, what is it? A black show? Yeah, put them on after Martin Lawrence. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, and she would think it's funny knowing that you get. But I think that would be fun. I think that would be like like the best challenges of just being able to try that. It is. Know? It is in the when, after it's over. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, well here's yeah. here's the thing. Sometimes sometimes it it works well if you go in there with like I'm fucked mentality. Yeah. If you ride the wave though, it, it's, it's like, like one time I did. One time they were they were doing something in the main room. Uh, it was a like uh, it was the Black Film Festival. And they had a comedy show, and it was supposed to be headlined by Eddie Griffin. So people had actually come <laughs> expecting Eddie. And Eddie walked in and saw that they'd sold tickets, and he's like, "I'm not getting paid or some shit." He he, he got upset about something. <laughs> he's like, "I'm not going up." So oh, then, so no. then someone came to me and they're like, "Hey, we need you to get in there <laughs> to close out the show." So they were expecting Eddie Griffin, oh. and I walk up, and it was so funny because they just everyone just got up and started walking out, and like there was like one table that hung out, and literally like I was so like defeated at the top. That I just I was like, oh, thanks for hanging out. I said I feel like I'm I'm, I'm the I'm the rolling credits at the end of the film. I said that's what it feels like. I go I'm for the film festival. And people were just leaving, and that one table was with me because it was all safe, self-deprecating material because it was like 
you know, what am I doing here? And it was like 15, 20 minutes of that. And you live. Sometimes, though, if you go into that situation where it's still kind of a hot crowd and and then you go in and now you got to perform and, 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 and it's like they get, you know, they're not laughing and, and, and then you try some crowd work and it's not working. I had that on a Mo Betta Mondays Oof. at the improv one time. And it was funny because I'd gotten good because I because I did um, I did Friday after next, so I had some street cred in the black 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 community, in the black community, and uh, and so as, as a holy moly donut shop, you know this this character in the in the in the movie. So I'd been doing you know I did Chocolate Sundays, I did the Comedy Store one, and then I overheard a few people talking about how Mo Better Mondays was one of the toughest black rooms. I was like, how tough could it be? And I'm getting ready to go on, and this one other comic was like, "Hey man, you got your shit together." And Tripoli was there too. He's like, "Listen, bro, just hang in there." Da 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 da. And I went up there, and I ate so much shit because it was this like, it was a crowd because you go in there. It was, it was early in the show, and you expect it to be a good crowd, and it's one of those things where you get like a couple of laughs and like you hear the pin drop kind of thing, and then you try another joke and it's not working. And then you try some crowd work and it's not working. And then you start going against your own instincts. So your instincts like, okay, attack that, attack the chick wearing the pink, you know, whatever the just whatever the pink fucking uh, antennas for whatever, or, you know, attack the, attack the dude in the purple leather suit. You know, it's just funny. Right. But then, but then you're like, no, they're gonna kick your ass. You know. <laughs> so, so you just, you, and then you just go into like, give me that light, man. Let me it's hard to pick on someone when you're bombing. Oh my god. You're bombing. It's really you don't feel confident to pick on someone. Oh yeah. Oh whoa, it's the worst. Bombing in a black crowd is uh, is really hard too because it's very hard to pull yourself out. Oh yeah. Once it goes down, white crowds will give you some room. Yeah. You know, but black crowds are like next. Yeah. Oh Louis yeah. C.K. has a great story about bombing on Mo Betta Mondays and that he went up and he he goes he realized that there was no recovering like they they didn't want you to recover. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he tried out a joke and it wasn't it didn't work. And that was it. They were like, next, get off. And yeah. they were like, wait a minute, I, I could try some other shit. Like, nope, get out of here. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, but, you know, I think it's also, it's good to do like a, a room like that where people don't have any, they, you know, they have no problem with booing you off the stage real quick. Oh, yeah. It's not the best thing to do all the time. No. But every now and then it's good as a little reality check. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Your shit better be tight, son. Yeah. You better yeah. come out that gate swinging. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the most important thing is the first bit. That first bit got to be strong. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You might oh, yeah. even want to open with your closer if it's possible. If you don't yeah. need to set that bitch up with your personality beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <clears throat> yeah. And the, but the other good thing that you learn when you do that, because I, I remember learning this early on. I was like, never believe the hype. Because sometimes, sometimes you'll kill and you're like, I am God. You know? <laughs> and, then, and then sometimes you die and like you're like depressed. But I was like, you can never go with like the, the good thing about these lessons on those things is to go, listen, man, my shit's funny. They, they didn't work tonight. But my, I, that's a funny joke. That's a funny joke. I, I've had sets before where, and usually it happens in the comic store original room where it's not like an all black crowd. It's like this crowd of cl- crowd of like, you know, few Norwegians, couple Aussies, couple of LA, you know, hipsters. Aussies. It's just it's all this like mixed crowd, and I'm having a blast, and they're not laughing. And I've seen comedians like be like, you know, you guys don't get it, but I don't even go to the you don't get it. I, I just go like, guys, that was a that was a funny like I'm I'm kind of like you guys don't want to be on the ride. That's fine. I think that was funny. You know, and I, I know I'm funny. So fuck you guys. And I'm, I got another eight minutes and I'm done, you know? Well, you know, the problem with comedy, I've always said, is that it's just called comedy. And it's not like you never go to a club to see live music and it says live music and you don't know if you're going to get a rap band or if you're going to get fucking Guns oh, yeah. N' Roses yeah. or classical music. You, it's very clear. You know what you're going to go to. You, when you go to a blues club, you're going to get some blues. But yeah. when you go to a comedy club, man, you can get anything. Yeah. You know, you could get. 
Miles Gibrani, you could get Dane Cook, you could get this guy, you get that guy. Everyone's yeah. got a different taste. And some people might love uh, Judah Freelander, and some people might hate him and love Tracy Morgan. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's all so subjective, man. Yeah, yeah, that's you gotta true. You got to find your audience. Yeah, yeah. But one of the beautiful things about showing up places where it's not your audience, just showing up on some random night at, a, at the improv, is that you can't stack the deck. So you have to make some people laugh that don't even fucking know you. Yeah. Don't, don't know your shit. Yeah. So I'm sure now. Now you must get these huge crowds of people who know Maz Jabrani, so they come out to see you. Yeah, you know. But I, I think every now and then you got to go in front of some. I love actually. Shits. I love like I always say like I I don't like to be in front of everyone that knows me. One reason is you feel like okay they might have heard a lot of this shit. Yeah. Even if it's new now with the internet, it's right. it's gone. Yep. Um, and secondly, I love I just love like like for example, one thing that happens with my audience is like it, what happened was when we first did the Access Evil Comedy Tour came out on Comedy Central. And a lot of young, like Middle Easterners, started following us. But then they started bringing their parents. And growing up, like in the Middle Eastern community, like it's like you know you, you're very like you you don't go too blue. Like you know you got to be nice and polite. I mean you could get you know get a little edgy, but you don't cuss. You know like there's a whole thing. Like for the longest time with my mom and my like I was inst- it was instilled in me don't cuss. Definitely not around. You know, Persians, you're not going to cuss. How much do you cuss on stage, ever? I don't cuss much. I cuss a little bit. But I actually, what's funny is, I like now what I do is, if I make a reference to something, like like there's a joke I do where I mention masturbation. I actually make fun of, that, that's why I love having a mixed audience. Because I'll, I'll look at the white guy in the audience. I go, now, hey, Mike, right now, there's a table of Persians going, oh, my God, he said masturbation. You know, I brought my mother. She doesn't speak English. Now I have to translate masturbation into Farsi. So I riff on what they're thinking. And inevitably, there's always like this one table that's dying of laughter. And I've had people come up after the show and be like, dude, I was here with my mom when you were saying that shit. It was totally true. <laughs> and the mother's totally cool with it. I was just, I had this recently um, at, uh, at the Tampa Improv. I was doing it. And there was literally this old, very like, distinguished sweet older lady that was the mother of this other lady so the other lady was like my mom's age the other the 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 mother was like my like a grandmother's age and i said masturbation i did the riff and the funny part of the whole thing was as i was doing the riff the mother was leaning into the grandmother translating everything and i was like holy shit it's actually happening and the crowd loved it because i was making fun of it but it was actually happening oh that's funny yeah that's funny where, where do you like performing the best God, I love. I mean, my, I mean, I I still love the original room just for creativity purposes, you know. Um, um, and then and then what Jamie did with that Tuesday night thing. I mean, I guess look, we we all love killing in front of our audiences. Like whenever, like like some of the cities I love are like DC is one of my favorite cities. First of all, one of the things I love about DC, it's very international. Secondly, everyone in DC is doing shit. Like whenever I spend a couple of days in DC, you meet people like, hey, where do you work? He's like, I work at State. Oh, what's State Department? Oh, okay, cool. What do you do? I work at the agency. Agency, CIA. Like people are actually like doing. And I always say, like when Whoa, I went creepy. there, creepy. No, it was kind of it was it was a trip. <laughs> I, I, I would hate that, dude. No, it's, <laughs> it's stand awesome. up for the CIA. No, dude, it's the craziest thing because like I always say, like I I was there recently. I was like I was like, what's great about you guys is like like if I'm in LA, I'll be like, what are you doing? And they'll be like, oh, I'm working on a movie about a spy who goes to you know to to South America to overthrow the government. I go, when you come to DC, you go, what are you doing? It's like, I'm a spy who's going to go to South America to overthrow. <laughs> and I love, I mean, but it's just, you feel like you're in the heart of, like you meet people that mean, like are doing shit. Right. Like, I remember one time being, actually I had a moment 
I remember I was I was there. It was right at the time of like right in the heart of the Bush administration. I remember uh, um, Homeland Security uh, Tom Ridge. Remember him? He uh-huh. was the first guy. And you see him on TV, and he's a talking head. He's an older dude. I was outside this like fancy restaurant in D.C., and he's sitting there talking to this like attractive young girl. Kind of like you could tell his body language was all flirty, you know. And he's a big dude too. And I was like, this guy's just trying to get pussy like everyone else. <laughs> I was like, he's the head of Homeland Security. He's probably like, hey, you want me to? You want you want you want to see the terror alert go to orange? Let's go. <laughs> Come Watch. here, baby. You want to see the red button? Yeah, like true you know? That's you know? hilarious. But you see those kinds of guys when you're out there, like as you, opposed to L.A. As opposed yeah. to like anywhere. I mean, you don't you don't see that like you know. Do I you mean, need to live out here still? Because you do, you're doing most of your work is on the road, right? Yeah, most yeah. of my work is on the road. I mean, I li- listen, L.A. I love L.A. in that my family's here. A lot of my friends are here, and weather-wise, you know how it is. When you travel yeah. around the world, you come back. Like I was in Norway, and it's like negative. You land in like oh, negative three with wind chill. Wind chill. It's like wind chill factor. It's you know negative fifteen, or even Chicago. Yeah, which yeah. is a great city. But in December, it's a motherfucker. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. You know. And the beauty of LA, I always say, the great thing about LA is it's so close to such so many great places. I, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I love going up to the Bay. You go to Santa Barbara, you go to Vegas, you go to you know San Diego. Everything's close by. Yeah, yeah LA is an amazing city. It's just overpopulated. Oh yeah. If if we didn't live in LA though, it'd probably be so much more enticing. I always say that. Like when I'm driving around, God, if I wasn't, if I didn't live here, I'd probably appreciate this more. Yeah. You know, I'd probably be like, wow, what an incredible place. I should live in LA. Yeah. You know, there's there's a a, a great amount of shitheads in this city, but oh, it's yeah. just because of the numbers. The yeah. numbers are so high. But I mean, you know what? It's funny. Like like whenever I go to New York, I love New York in terms of like it's like a playground for adults. Like you just jump in a cab, you go to the next restaurant, you go to the next club, you go to what you go. Yeah. All night. You I wouldn't want to live there. Would I wouldn't want to live? No, well, I actually, I'd always thought I wanted to live there. And then I did two projects out there where I was there for four months at a time. And it was like, I, I, I got an apartment at the corner of Houston and Six, which is like the heart of the village. I was like, this is the best place. Dude, from 7 a.m. till 3 a.m. every day, it was like noise outside. It was just so like cars honking and, and, and construction. And I was like... You know, New York, I think, is good if you're in your 20s and you got your buddies and you're all making some money and you just want to run around. Like, I guess the ratio of women to men is like, it's like I don't know, it's like 55 to 45 or something. Really? There's a lot more women than men. And there's a lot of models walk around New York. Same, son. How about that? Yes, son. If I had like Boku, Howard Stern type cash flow... I would be into living in in New York, in like in Manhattan, like with some sort of a apartment that overlooks like Central Park or yeah. something like that. Yeah, you know, if you got like Madonna money, yeah, you yeah. know, and you yeah. can get some one of those crazy twenty million dollar oh, apartments. Yeah, because yeah. I've seen some online. Some people put some up on my message board as well, and they, there was a one that had like a corner building. It was a, a corner uh, apartment with insane views of the city. Yeah, that's some of the most beautiful things when you look at like a real cityscape. And yeah. it's lit at night. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fucking amazing. I just think that the numbers of people, when you're in a place like Manhattan, the, all the influence they have over you, all the people around you all the time, I just don't think you can have real peace there. I don't think you can relax. Well, that's what's crazy is when I was living there uh, on those stints, like I remember coming home one weekend and I went, we have a house here, and I remember hearing a bird chirping outside. I was like, I have not heard a bird chirp except for your. <laughs> the fuck was that? <laughs> He he's brought got a bird chirping. He's got the alarm, your noise? The, the bird chirper that, that chirps different different noises. No, but New York is New York is great to visit and party and stuff. Yeah. You know, but even the that's, it goes back to the weather. It's like I've had the craziest experiences in New York where I'm like, oh, it's a sunny day. I walk into a meeting, I walk out and it's pouring rain. I'm like, what the hell happened? And it's hot and humid. 
that's most of the world. Most of the world yeah. has to deal with weather. We yeah. don't have to deal with weather. We just have to deal with the once a decade or two, the the world moves. Yeah, yeah. And shit yeah. falls down. Yeah, yeah. They just sold the Father of the Bride house. I don't even remember the movie Father of the Bride, but what there's is this that? huge, really nice house. And well, who's in that movie? Uh, Steve Martin, you know, and he was like the father of the bride. And uh, Rick Moranis, I think, might have been in yeah. it or something like that. But I, I just saw that house for uh, on some website the other day for sale, and I was like, that would be the most ideal house in California because it was actually picked for the movie because of how wholesome and nice it looked. Where you was it? Where was, was it in Malibu? Where I, I want to say it was like in something like Pasadena or something weird. That's the like one where that. Martin yeah. Shore plays like a gay wedding director. Yeah, gay wedding director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a German gay wedding. He's actually very funny. When I was leaving uh, Kevin Smith's place today, uh, I did his podcast this morning, and when I was leaving his place, they had one of those tours where there's a uh, like a bus that doesn't have a top to it. Right? Oh yeah, and people are out in the open air, and there there is a star sightings, and they're driving through the Hollywood Hills, pointing out celebrities' houses. Like how fucked is that? That man? is weird. They show people where you sleep. That's yeah. weird. Yeah, that's weird in general. Like I don't know. Like I've I've done a few tours in my life. Like what? Even if it's like at a at a like a museum, I get so bored so fast. Oh, I'm yeah. like. I don't need to spend an hour for you to tell me about this painting and the painter and the, I'll just read five minutes and move on. Much less sit in the fucking van and be like, oh, Kevin Smith, so-and-so lives here. I'm like, get me off this fucking bus. Yeah. For some people, man, meeting celebrities is very important. They yeah, it's weird. They're excited about it. Yeah, It's weird. How You must be fucking huge in the Persian community. Well, that's what's... How big are you? Well, it's weird. I, like, you know, in terms of... Yeah, I mean, the, the Persian community, like, knows me as a celebrity. It's actually funny. I just... I was just in... Um, I was at a LAX uh, two days ago and had all these like flight problems and we're running around from Southwest trying to get to American Airlines and coming back. And then I, you know, I, I got the Google alerts. So like it sends me like if, if you ever get mentioned in something, like it sends you. So I was just like, I got the Google alert and it was like celebrity spotting. I was like, huh? And I look it up. And it's so funny. Somebody was like, Maz Jobrani spotted at the, at LAX. That's and, and And what was even funnier though is like, it's like, you know, like Justin Bieber has like 10,000 celebrity spottings. Like, you know, so-and-so has... I got two celebrity spottings. I'm <laughs> like, hey, I'm working my way in and slowly. Persians that uh, are Persians, spotting yeah, yeah. you. Actually, you know what's funny? This happened too. This was the weird one one time. Um, uh, Aaron Cater and I had just done a gig in Jordan of all places. Whoa. And we flew back and we come... What is that like? It, it was actually really cool. We, the, first time we, the first time we ever did Jordan was, again, with, with, with me, Ahmed, and Aaron. We went and did the Access of Evil comedy tour out in the Middle East. We did five countries... We did like 27 shows, 30 days, all sold out. It was like, it's big fish in a small pond. You know what I'm saying? Are you allowed to talk about anything? You Well, some countries, like uh, like Lebanon, they go talk about whatever you want. Because the Lebanese, they have, they've had, they're very liberal. They're very, Beirut, first of all, is one of the most amazing cities in the world. You really? gotta go check it out. It's amazing. It's like, the nightlife is crazy. There's like no rules or regulations. Um, the women are all beautiful. Um, the uh, The food is delicious. Uh, uh, and then and then you've got like that bazaar. You can go check out the bazaar kind of thing, you know. And then you could go out into the mountains. I mean, it's just amazing. I've had a great time every time I've gone to Beirut. And you can swear on stage, swear do whatever you sex. want. Oh yeah. Now so that's Beirut. Then you got the other countries where a lot of times the promoters will say no sex, no religion, no politics. Oh, oh my no. god. Yeah, you're like, well now I'm stuck. You know. Uh, they say that right before you go on stage. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it, well, but that's the well the funny thing is when they say no politics, that means no local politics. And thank God I don't know much about the local politics, and I'm not about to challenge. You know the Sheikh of Dubai, 
with some, you know, stupid shit. So I lay, you know. You Are you allowed to make fun of America? You make fun of America. I can make fun of Iran. I used to make fun of the president of Iran. They loved it. They, if you make fun of their neighboring country, they're like, that is hilarious. You know? <laughs> I don't like that either. either. They how, love that. How close is the government uh, of Iran to being overthrown? It's that's a tough call, man. It's it's interesting because there's like, I mean, I, I I love politics anyway, so I read up on it a lot, you know. And and there's so many different analysts, and it's like, what it is is in Iran right now, it's over 75, maybe 80 million people, and there's a lot of young people, like like a majority of young people. And they have the internet, and they want a modern way of life. They want a modern way of life, but the problem is, and somebody pointed this out. They were saying when the Iranian Revolution happened under the Shah. Uh, a lot of the people that were um, in le- in the leadership position under the Shah had been Western educated. And this guy made a good point. He goes, so when the revolution happened, they had the money and they're like, screw it, we're out of here. They went to France, they went to London, they came to America, lived their life, they're all good. The people that are running the country now are not Western educated. They've been part of this revolution, you know, since 79. And they, they, you know, so they got nowhere to go. And when the, um, when the Ayatollah took over, that was all U.S. backed, right? Like there was an issue with the Shah where the United States was at a disagreement with the Shah. So they backed the Ayatollah there's, and got him in Listen, position. there's conspiracy theories in the sort. But I think, I mean, a, a big part of it, you could go back and trace it to actually a movement happening that was an internal movement. Because what happened was the Shah, okay, the Shah westernized the country a lot. Um, and, and and had a lot of progress for the country. Uh, nonetheless, under the Shah, like as under any dictator in, in the Middle East, there was still a lot of people being persecuted. Like opposition was not looked, you know, was frowned upon. And you would have like these, like, and you had different parties. You had like you had the monarchists, then you had like the nationalists, then you had the socialists, then you had the communists, then you had the, then you had the religious, you know, the Islamists. So you had all these different parties. And anytime anyone would say anything or criticize the Shah, like some dude would disappear. You know, they had, yeah, there was the Savak, which was the secret police. So there's all kinds of like intellectuals that would like criticize them and disappear. Um, and so there was, there was that going on. And so eventually what happened, like the Khomeini's history goes that he was actually exiled. I like how you said that, by the way. What's that? Khomeini. Khomeini, yeah. Shit Khomeini. Was, shit was legit. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get my son to learn Farsi. It's the funniest thing seeing this kid. He's got like an American accent already. He'd and he's like, three, right? Yeah, he's three. He'd be like, Khomeini, you know, he, he fucks it up. <laughs> Anyway, so he, um, Khomeini had been exiled to Iraq, um, and, uh, and he was getting, back then, it was kind of like the Twitter of today, he, was, he, would sneak, he would sneak his sermons back into Iran with tape cassettes. So all these other religious guys, there was a, there's, a, there's a city named Qom, which is a religious city in Iran, they were all getting like his sermons, and he was criticizing the Shah from outside of Iran. You can do that from outside, but you can't do it from inside. So he was doing it from outside. And basically what happened was there was all these different oppositions to the Shah and discontent was growing and protests were growing. And so these guys all kind of banded together. And what they would do is it was very similar to the protests that were happening during the Green Movement in 2009 where people would be out protesting and then and then uh, the government would shoot into the crowds and kill some people. And in the in the Muslim Shiite religion, like once someone's killed, like something like seven days after something, there's like a mourning day. Like so, they all go out and they mourn. So these guys would be mourning, and the and the Shah's police would show up and shoot some more. And it just grew and grew and grew. So the protests were originally like, you know, one faction, but then it became more factions. And then you then you got to a point where you had like lawyers and doctors protesting in the streets of Iran like people that should be supporting the regime. Right. And then you had the Bazaris. They run the, the bazaar is like the, the economy. 
these guys shut down the economy. The oil company went on strike. So all this shit came together. And then and then it, it caused for the revolution to happen. And I have a friend of mine who was young back then. He said what was interesting, he goes, like when the Shah left, he goes, for the first few days in Iran, it was total euphoria. Because everyone was like, we got rid of America. We got rid of the this influence. And he goes, but what was weird though was because for the protests, all these factions were working together. He goes, now... Like one guy would be like, hey, we did it, brother. And the other guy would be like, yeah, we did do it, comrade. And he'd be like, wait a minute, brother, he's a Muslim Islamist, comrade, I'm a communist. And then they would start turning on each other. Aww. And then the shit started turning. And then, and then the Islamists took over, and now we're in the shit we're in. But all that stuff, by the way, and a lot of people have talked about this, a lot of this stuff did happen. Uh, like in 53, there was a democratically elected government. Uh, the, the guy was named Mossadegh. And the U.S., actually the CIA has written their story of how they did a coup d'etat of the democratically elected leader in Iran. They overthrew him and put the Shah in. And so, like, whenever any American, like, whenever we talk about wars and stuff, and they're like, we're just trying to bring democracy. I'm like, motherfucker, there was democracy, and we overthrew it. You got to read your history, you know? It's a, <clears throat> a fascinating time that we live in when people talk about going to war with Iran, too. You know, when they're talking about disarming them, if they continue with their nuclear program. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Strange times, you know? Yeah, well, Israel is like, I mean, they, they, they say, like, if these guys, I mean, and the Israelis did that to the Iraqi, uh, um, to one of the Iraqi facilities back in the day where they infiltrated and they, and they, and they bombed it. Yeah. But I guess, uh, you ever, have you ever listened to George Galloway speak? You, ever, you know who he is? No. Who's that? He's just, uh, I think he's like a I've British. Heard his name. He's a British MP. You got to listen. The guy's really, he's actually very well educated. And he makes some good arguments, and he's and it's almost like it's funny how he like I've seen him get in debates with, with uh, like uh, TV commentators like on Sky TV. He just like destroy, he like, annihilates them. What's his name again? George Galloway. There was um, so he was talking about I think I think it was him that was talking about like somebody came on. He was talking about this whole you know possibly doing um, you know strategic bombings. What's it called? Surgical bombings. Right. And he was like. Iran is a you know some of these cities are densely populated cities and he's like some of these facilities are in bunkers that are you know you know miles down on, underneath the ground and he's like how are you going to do strategic uh, surgical bombing you know you have to drop like a nuclear bomb on the thing to blow it up so he's like you're out of your mind but but you should but you should check out George Galloway he did a thing where it was it was around the time when Israel and uh, and the Lebanese were fighting like a few years ago. And this one girl, it was funny, from Sky News, like they get like these pretty commentators. So she's like, here to defend the, the Lebanese, you know, the, the Hezbollah's point of view, George Galloway. And the guy rips into her. He's like, first of all, you know, he's got like, the, he's like, you know, your, your, your introduction of me was very biased from the da 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 da. Of course, I would expect it. Sky News, owned by Rupert Murdoch. He just goes, he just cuts into it. And then he's like, secondly, you need to know your history. He's like, they've been fighting for da da da. And he just goes into it. And, and you see this like blonde girl, like, but uh, could you answer the question? And is he an Irish guy? I think he's Irish. Oh, okay. I, I, I have heard this guy before. The dude is like, or when Scottish it comes to arguing, he's pretty, he's a pretty bad motherfucker when it comes to arguing. Well, I'll check out some of his stuff on I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Middle East, especially right now, because we're at such a strange time. You know, with the internet, and you know, they're they're using Facebook to uh, you know to organize and 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 basically overthrow government after government, and yeah. they they keep toppling one after the other. And I'm I'm curious as to what we're actually seeing. You, you know, know, the problem is it's it's funny because if you talk to a lot of Iranians, we always say like, for example, like uh, what happened in Egypt. It's like it was a positive step in the right direction, but the question is, 
talk to me six months from now, talk to me right. a year from now. Because will the depends. people be, you know, will the people that are alive today even benefit from it, or exactly. will it make their life shittier and then the next generation benefits? The world's in a fucking turmoil right now. I don't understand it. I don't understand economics. When people start talking about economic meltdowns, it to, to me. The way I look at it, I go, at the end of the day, there's the same amount of shit and there's the same amount of people. So what the fuck went wrong? Yeah. We were living like kings just yeah. a, a couple of years ago, and now everybody's fucking in the shitter because of what? Because of an inflated economy and like, what? what's what well, part of it? I'm Part of the things that I'm starting to see that, that makes some sense to me, because you're right, I, I a lot of times get lost in it all too, but some of the things that start making sense is when they tar- start talking about like the the difference between the haves and the have-nots mm-hmm. and like how like back in the day, like a CEO average would make like 20 times more than a... Than, than the worker. Now that some of these CEOs are making like 350 times more than the average worker. So you start going, okay, I see. Like right now they're saying that a lot of these banks have made their, like they weren't affected by the, by, by the economic crunch because we bailed them out. And now a lot of these bankers are making a lot more money and yet the economy is supposedly still bad and people that had mortgages that were, you know, belly up are still belly up. Money in and of itself is so strange to me. The idea that it's based on nothing but confidence now. Oh, yeah. There's no, it's not gold backed. Yeah. It's just, it's so, it's so hard to pay attention to everything. Yeah. There's just too much shit going on in the world. Absolutely. There's too many goddamn experiments going on. There's too many new science inventions that I have to look at every day. Yeah. There's some new one they invented where they, they installed some microchip into a rat's brain and the rat recovered lost memories. And they're thinking they're going to eventually be able to do this to people. I mean, there's just so much fucking shit going on. Yeah. I can't pay attention to everything. It's impossible. Yeah. No, it is. It's pretty, it's pretty overwhelming sometimes. It's a crazy world we live in. And Monster we got a tweet Brian. in the middle of all that. You got a tweet. You got a tweet. You got a tweet. Dude, what how many what is your Twitter page? It's uh, at Maz Jobrani. At Maz Jobrani. Yeah, I just uh, I just kinda got going on. I it. got you here. Yeah. Okay, um, so please follow him. M A Z J O B R A N I. Where are you at uh, soon? Um, uh, but people can go to the website, or actually, we're doing this. We're doing What's our own podcast now. Monsterbonnie.com. And people can go to minivanmen.com. And that's you, Al Madrigal, and Chris, Chris Spencer. Spencer. Yeah. Sounds awesome. And yeah. where can uh, people see you do stand up in uh, the future? Comedy Store, Laugh Factory, Improv. Just go to Mazjobrani.com. You can find information. Mazjobrani.com. I will be at the uh, Carnegie Music Hall of uh, Pittsburgh on this uh, Saturday. The 25th with Joey Coco Diaz. And then next Friday, the 1st of July, we're going to be at the Mandalay Bay Theater. That's a full Death Squad show. Ari, Ari Shafir, Joey Diaz, me, and uh, Doug Benson's going to stop by and do a guest spot. And Brian's going to be there, and you can hug him. There's going to be a lot of people in town that weekend, because also there is, Sam's having a naughty show that weekend uh, for three in days Vegas? straight. Yeah, is in it Vegas. Really? It's, that's this really cool strip club, and he's doing it, I think, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with Jenna Hayes. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we'll, we'll help him promote that as well. Um, and yeah, so we'll we'll see you in Vegas, you dirty bitches. And uh, so that's it. Pittsburgh on Saturday, the twenty fifth, and some tickets are still available, but they're going quick. Um, information is uh, JoeRogan.net. You can find everything. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Russell Peters. Yeah. Um, and uh, thank you very much for tuning in. And thank you very much to the Fleshlight. <clears throat> if you go to JoeRogan.net and click on the link for the Fleshlight, enter in the code name Rogan, you will save 15% off the number one sex toy for men. You can shoot some rolls into that if you like. Woo. Maz Joe Brani, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for having me, A man. pleasure having you on, my brother. It was uh, very good to catch up with you and see you again. And thank you, everybody. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.